friend of the show, well, friend of us, <laughs> Stu. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Stu doesn't give a damn about this show. And you know what? The show doesn't give a damn about him. That's right. I said that it. is, well, you know, you're okay. <laughs> Every once in a while, I, uh, on a couple of occasions now, he has interviewed me about comics and like okay. things that are going on in the comics. Yeah. Um, and not like a formal interview or anything. He's just like no, no, picking no. your brain just and like, shooting the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Either he and I are just like chilling after game night or yeah. uh, most recently, actually set two times ago, was when we were on the cruise together. We were just like sitting in the library. Both of our girls had gone to sleep. We were just yeah. shooting the shit. Anyway, the point is he is fascinated by the concept and use of souls in <laughs> comics specifically Marvel. Okay. Um, because it's like, it's confirmed that souls exist, right? And it's like, yeah, because like, that's what goes to like Valhalla or right. that's what you sell to Fisto, uh, yada, yada. And so he starts going into like, if there's resurrection, how does that work? Like, is there a process that adds the soul back to the body? Or yeah. when you have clones and all this other stuff, like how does soul, what is the science behind the souls? Sure. And I don't have I, no. There's no. Right there's no consistent answer to that. No, there's not. But it is, and nor should there be. I mean, uh, well, that could be. It doesn't necessarily have to be. In the same sense that, like, you've had the perspective of like, with let Thanos just be evil incarnate, and he doesn't have to have a tragic backstory. <laughs> yeah. And and I think both approaches are fine. And eventually yeah. somebody's going to give some sort of backstory like they have to, to Thanos. So sure. maybe one day someone is going to dive into the mechanics of a soul or a spirit for a okay. character. That part I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. I Once you said this is what souls are in the Marvel Universe, I don't need it to work that way for every title. Mm. And and mm-hmm. every character, you know, like just if if you've come up with like a cool idea for some metaphysics and you want to have that in your story, like great, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's kind of how it always ends up being, right? Yeah. It's like they yeah. do some sort of exploratory story, and that becomes the standard for all of like six months, and and then yeah. like and then it becomes something I hold on to, and right. it just gets forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> forever <laughs> that's fine <laughs> yeah so from the reading for this week there was some, there was um talk about craven was diving into his birth uh-huh. because this craven is a is a clone and he's like yeah the clone that survived because right original craven contest of- <laughs> yeah original craven created 25 clones of himself and the one that survives is the one that gets the craven name or whatever right whatever it doesn't matter so anyway <laughs> uh there's a there's an internal monologue from the opening of that that i sent to Stu. yeah so i was like i thought you'd get a yeah this because says we are all of us born bloody and screaming into the world Torn or carved from another body except me. To be a clone is to lose that fundamental birthright. A baptism of pain and and confusion. That is the purest, rawest form of truth. I'm jealous of it in a way I'm seeking it. Mm. And and so I used that as a kickstart to tell Stu that I want him to write a Marvel book diving into the concept of souls. Uh Because we didn't 
because he's asked me about clones and where they fit in, but right. I, I want him to like dive in. And he kind and he did like impulsively. Yeah. Okay, he cool, wrote, cool, cool. Like a whole thing. <laughs> of course you um, did. Sure. <laughs> and it <laughs> it was really it was a really fun conversation. It basically cool. boiled down to his story has like and you can tell he watches a lot of anime, but like um, <laughs> uh, there's like the well of souls and basically the a body, like a soul is assigned to the likeness of that body. And so like a clone, like the 25 clones of, of Craven all yeah. split the same infinite Craven soul. Right. Um, and basically it kind of dies across into that and then as it develops its own identity it becomes its own separate soul and so the soul is defined more by the body than the than the soul defines the body (laughs) that would help that would help with another big problem which comes up in this week's reading too but i don't mind just jumping into it now sure yeah is is the problem with overactive healing factors um like if Wolverine can regenerate his entire fucking body from a single drop of blood, then that means that every time you cut Wolverine, you're just yeah. like spraying yeah, Wolverine all, all over it's the like, place. What is the prime body part? Like if you right. if you quarter, drawn quarter Deadpool, do yeah. you get four Deadpools? Right. <laughs> you shouldn't, and you don't in the comics. I feel like you probably have in the past. Like there have been storylines yeah there is a fangirl of deadpool that was following him and collecting all of his body parts until she uh-huh. had enough for an entire body uh-huh. um he had two left hands <laughs> <laughs> but besides that little jaunt right again another one of those like they yeah, did it once it worked we don't it worked this it. time this way and <laughs> we can't expect it to work that way every time yeah and, yeah. and Sue was even just like, I'm certain there's multiple magic people or gods that have said stuff that makes this not work great. Yeah, but yeah, writers totally. ignore that shit all the time. I don't yep. care. And I was like, cool, yep. perfect. Yep. He's um, got the right mindset for, for yeah, comics, and, even and if he, he was, doesn't and, read it. <laughs> and he was like, after introduce, he says, after introducing all of this world building through the main plot revolves around a little boy who has to pilot a bio robot that is his mom's soul in it. And he needs to stop his father from breaking down the barrier between souls and turning everyone into LCL fluid. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> see, I see where this is going. And I was like, actually, you know what? <laughs> you could write a story about Hisako. Cause uh, <laughs> so I broke down armor and how like, her immune power is powered by her dead ancestry and in her solo title her little like highlight thing at her uh family reunion everyone dies and she gets this power explosion of power that makes her armor get super tall and she fights a kaiju and he's like damn that's literally okay okay i see it yeah (laughs) and so then he started talking about how mutant powers are basically magic and mm-hmm. i was like yeah and then you get people like wanda and Ileana who also train in magic but are also mutants and except that one is not <laughs> and then she made herself one. Oh yeah <laughs> yeah and then we just kind of just dove down and like our conversation like went on for a good minute of just yeah. going back and forth, just paragraph after paragraph. It was really fun. Cool. Um, That's awesome. But uh, now it makes me really want like a soul story. 
even if it's just like a mini series. <laughs> one-off. Just gonna say you want a soul. A soul. Yeah. I was like, can you that's give my me bad. my back, please? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I did um, at some point, I, or or the rights reverted to the original owner at some. This is this is like this is like some some fucking Hulk Universal Pictures movie rights shit, where like they didn't use it for a number of years, and then it reverts to the original owner. I'll take that. Okay, I didn't I didn't play me. DDR for for enough years, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you get your soul back. <sighs> I'm down for that. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, anyway. soul story. Even if it's not Stu's idea, which I think was a really fun idea. Um, I mean, what are I'd the be interested he- to see somebody's approach to it? It's true. I mean, what are the hex in Judgment Day except for fucking angels from Evangelion? <laughs> It, yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. Just uh, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Had a good time, and also made me really want somebody to. Die. Hisako hasn't had a like reimagining or like a a new approach yet in a while. Yeah, she. she in it's time her, for her to be on a regular title again. Yeah, but like in in her. In the couple of times she's been used in the Krakoa mm-hmm. era, she's had way more control over the malleability of her armor. It's true. But like, how far can she take that now? That's what mm-hmm. I want to know. Mm-hmm. Give me that. And also, mm-hmm. are they ever going to go back to when it was blue and what the difference is between the blue and the red armor? Probably not, but no. that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some of that. <laughs> So what are we doing here? What is this? Yeah, this is Hype is My Superpower, and it's a podcast where we talk about comic books, things that we're hyped on, et cetera, et cetera. We read the main story of Avengers X-Men Eternals Judgment Day last week. We talked a whole hell of a lot about that. I recommend you, if you haven't yet, go and give a listen to that episode before we get rolling on this one, because we're talking about the side stories, the the things that happened in between those sort of main beats of the title that were published in different books at the same time. And Will, do you mind if I give my sort of like unified theory on, on uh, side stories real quick? <laughs> sure. Go for it. Okay. So they come in, they come in three buckets, three types of side mm. stories. There's there's this sort of like uh, what I'm going to call like director's cut where you've mm. got there's a scene in the main story of the crossover that kind of happens in like a panel or two. And you're like, that was crazy. I don't really know why it happened, but cool or like a big story beat that just kind of like happens and the characters move on or like moderate size story beat that happens. The characters move on and they get fleshed out in these sort of like side stories, which are often individual titles of ongoing books and, or just like, you know, name of crossover colon character name. And Mm -hmm. you get to see 
what happened during that moment from a particular character or team's perspective in a way that like helps bring along their arc in some sort of way. Like, and just as a side note, I would love to see that kind of side story happen on Disney plus. Like imagine if you had, imagine if you had infinity wars, colon rocket raccoon or something, and you just got like, a particular character's like journey through oh. an Avengers movie and like got to focus on, on their story arc a little more. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. Oh, why, why, man, why haven't great. they? Yeah. Even just like I mean, they, in Endgame when Rocket and Rhodey are crushed under the building and yeah. then in the rallying scene, Ant-Man's there, Rhodey's got his armor on, and Rocket is safe. Like, Mm -hmm. what happened? Give me Mm -hmm. that scene. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, you can put it in the director's cut of the movie. Or Or. you can just release a really fucking cool Disney Plus. Damn, that would be great. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. And you get to, like, turn an actual character arc into it instead of just, like... You know, like put it, put put story beats of beginning, middle, end instead of just like, oh yeah, we fleshed out this scene so you could know what happened to the characters. That makes it trivia. The other way makes it an actual story, and mm-hmm. that's one of the things they do really well in the comics. I'm I, stoked. I'm here for it. Hell the yeah. second the second type of tie-in story is basically taking the core concept from the event crossover story arc and applying it to an uninvolved character so if it's civil war you get to see which side they they choose if it's Mm -hmm. secret invasion it's like oh there was a scroll here how did they deal with that you know Mm -hmm. if it's uh original sin you dig up some dirt from their backstory and they have to deal with it right and so for this a bunch of characters who are uninvolved with the main story arc go through their judgment and then the third type which can often be the coolest of them all if done correctly. Sometimes it's the worst is basically the main plot of this, uh, of an ongoing title gets so wrapped up in the crossover that this is kind of like the continuation of uh, the continuation of that title requires the, um, sort of like involvement with the crossover. And so you're getting sort of like main arcs, main beats for those characters that are really tied up in the the grist of what's going on in the in the crossover. But those beats don't necessarily correspond to things that are happening in the main series. Right. Yeah, so like their involvement in the crossover event has to have fallout or involvement in their solo title because they're such a big player yeah yeah in in that book going forward and and again you're not necessarily expanding scenes that you saw in judgment day one through six sometimes Mm -hmm. you are but a lot of it is like this was such a big deal for these characters that it's going to have like the you can't tell the main plot of this book without getting pretty deep here Mm -hmm. yeah and those can end poorly because sometimes crossovers can just be too much and you're yeah. you're tied in unnecessarily and a creative team and what they're trying to do kind of gets like uh, fucked around a little bit. And this well, is kind of what we're... Well, in point... Sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say what we were just talking about before going live with the recording about uh, Spider-Man and Dark Web. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, so on top of that, like when Straczynski was writing Spider-Man. Yeah. Civil War happened. Yeah. And in Civil War, Spider-Man reveals the secret identity to the press. Yeah. And so that is fundamentally going to change where Straczynski can take his book. Yeah. Because now you have to do this, okay, public identity Spider-Man now. Totally. And if that wasn't your plans for your own book, then like, yeah. then, then, then that sucks for the creators. Like all of a sudden editorial is basically telling you what stories you can and can't tell and you don't have your own book anymore. Mm-hmm. And in, in an interview with Straczynski after his run was over, uh, one of the things that he wishes, he, there, there's a question of like, you know, what's a, mm-hmm. What's a storyline or something you you wish you could have done yeah. in, in your run? And he says he wishes he could have done the unmasking in his title. Oh, yeah. have it happen in Civil War. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. Mm. And again, you can do that the way that they do storyline, the crossovers now by just having like the shorter version in you know, Civil War three or whatever. And then like a whole issue of the main title dedicated to that. But then like, if you're trying to keep pace with the publishing schedule of the, the book, like it gets complicated. Yeah. It, it's such a, I cannot for the life of me fathom how they pull off crossovers, both on the editorial and the creative level. Like, it just seems like such a logistical nightmare. The fact that these come out and are ever executed well at all is <laughs> remarkable. Yeah, for sure. And like each writer works so differently mm-hmm. that like to at what point do you give them the heads up that hey, I'm going to use your character? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you kind of have yeah. to be well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like AXE Judgment Day Avengers doesn't even use any of the current roster of Avengers. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they're like, so in, they're so used in the main storyline. Yeah. So you take this advantage to do something else. Or it's like you've had a, a you know, 30 issue run with a character and it's all culminating to this giant climax and you've got it all like planned out and outlined and all this stuff. And then they're like, Hey, we need your character for a crossover. Can you fit this in? And you're like, well, fuck, like I was telling a story here. Yeah. Yeah. It screws up the pacing. Absolutely. So with side books, side books, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the companion volume and work our way through? Sure. Or do you want to go so, through the what? What order did not you not the reading order? Did you do this? So, okay, this yeah. is this is my favorite thing about the like event side books is you you tackle them by title instead of in reading yeah. order because we yeah. already established the overarching story. Totally, yeah. That so we can and just go by title here. I did read them all in reading order for my first read because I I like to get the context of like everything as it's coming in and just like things kind of like trickle mm-hmm. down and filter through. But then, yeah, for my second reading, I went title by title. Nice. So Death we did, we covered, yeah. We, yeah. I was going to say we covered Eve of Judgment and we covered yep. Omega yep. last week. So Death, AXE, Death to the Mutants, one through three. And this is basically, I mean, AXE Eternals was taken, <laughs> but this is, <laughs> yeah. this is basically AXE Eternals 
Redux or Eternals by Kieran Gillen issues 13 through 15. <laughs> right. <laughs> it basically functions as a continuation to that series. Yeah, it it's kind of what the what I'm calling the movie team of the Eternals, the characters mm. who are in the movie as they are their own sort of like offshoot away from the Eternal Society at this point. Kind of all the shit that they're doing during the plot, plus some live look-ins at Star Fox, Druig, the Mimator, etc. But in this first one, in this first issue, it kind of goes through. We had one panel each of all of the god parts that are assembled for building the progenitor, including mm-hmm. gathering the oral history of Lemuria and their tragedy from the last time that they were destroyed by the Celestials. And this goes into detail on that. Yeah, that little, that side mission. Yeah. I was really impressed throughout this series, throughout the crossover, but specifically throughout this series with Crow, the leader of the Deviants. Mm -hmm. He just has like a great combination of like even-handedness, sense of humor, like resiliency, responsibility, and leadership. Like really great character. Yeah, I really like him. I know he's been around in the comics for a bit, but my only experience with him has been Gillen's run on Eternals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, him as a leader of a city is almost like the example that others should be leading by. Like the, yeah. the way that the the quiet council or the great circle <laughs> yeah, no is running is not the right way and they need to go and hang out with crow and see how lemuria is run (laughs) yeah far be it for me to say abandon your democracy you know (laughs) this dictator is doing it right right (laughs) but yeah crow crow is a really fun character it's very interesting because he He's not jaded by his past. Like, so yeah. with, with deviants, we've talked about how deviants eventually have this thing called excess deviation. And that's when Eternals go into auto mode and destroy the excess deviant. But for whatever reason, Crow's deviation is that he doesn't excessively deviate. And so <laughs> most deviants live a normal human length. Or shorter. Years. Or shorter, yeah. Like, uh, like... 50 to 100 years, let's say. Yeah. And Crow's been around for over 10,000. Yeah. And because of that, and he has that history, he has been elected to be, you know, the leader of the Lemurian people. And he he has a very bloody history and a very storied history with the Eternals, but he doesn't hate them. Yes. He's very practical, if cynical. Uh, but you weaponizes his cynicism really well. And and in a later issue, that's how he wins his judgment with, <laughs> with the progenitor oh, it, man. Yeah, is I through cynicism. That. What a cool character. I was, I was completely unfamiliar with him before this side story and ended up really, really enjoying my time with him. And then we kind of get the behind the scenes of the Eternals and the X-Men team, which will have to, in the X-Men title, we do a behind the scenes of this behind the scenes, but (laughs) 
basically Icarus brings in the X-Men to lay siege to the Eternal City, turn off the resurrection machine and stop the psychic uh, siege. And on their way out, he writes with his laser eyes in a wall, death to the Eternals. And and it's it's double written because I loved that so much. I did not understand it the first time that I read it. I was like, why is why why is the font all screwy here? And then <laughs> and then my second reading, I was like, oh, that's dope. Icarus so yeah, has it's two eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's written kind of like stereoscopic, like everything's double written because each watching, yeah, each eye is its own laser. Did you have anything else from issue one? No, it was just, I, I, the way Kieran Gillen writes the machine that is earth. It's just a lot of fun to watch stories unfold with that commentary. You're right. That is the other main part of this whole title, but particularly this first issue is the narration from the machine that is earth. Very compelling character. And there's, there's a, a line, I think it's in this, uh issue where yeah yeah basically saying if you've ever played an rpg before you you like computer games right you played rpgs like the mutants <laughs> do more damage the eternals have more hit points yes yeah the earth <laughs> so cool is a geek and a nerd <laughs> yeah accept it <laughs> that is such i mean and that's so kieran guilt like he writes a lot about uh he he has like creator own books about D and stuff so and he was he was a video oh. game writer before writing comics he he co-founded rock paper shotgun oh yeah cool i didn't know that. yeah yeah anyway <laughs> uh second issue yeah sally and get, the mimitar yeah so, sign the mimitar and, and sally the zine creator hopeful <laughs> yeah yeah Sa- sally is texting this person who calls himself the Mimitar, and she's like, all right, that's weird. And she thinks it's a troll because she's like, every time she's like, go and read this person. Five minutes later, they come back having read everything. Yeah. <laughs> that, that person go read, and, and just Go read T.S. Eliot. Go read Platt. And like the most obvious shit, too. It's not like you can be <laughs> into poetry and not know who T.S. Eliot or, or Sylvia Plath are. And it comes at everything with... Yeah, both like inexperienced but joyful. Uh, not the the quote, not bored of anything, which is yeah. what a what a remarkable quality in a person in this day and age, or yeah. you know, giant fire minotaur, as the case may be. So yeah, the Mimitor that uh, Sally is texting with is sign the skyscraper sized angel from Evangelion, uh, member <laughs> of the Hex. And sign loves poetry. IRL. Well, I'm really tall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Aren't you afraid you're going to be judged on not writing enough poetry? I think I'm going to be judged on something else. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Um. Just fun. There's there's a great scene uh, continuing on the crow love. There's a great scene going on between crow and Emma. And when uh, the deviants come to join up with Krakoa and help protect during the siege and Crow's like, let me, let me share with you an ancient deviant proverb. The celestials can go fuck themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. 
<laughs> in the um the sort of like psychic ruse where there's the whole you know like we're gonna do the self-destruct sequence for uh the progenitor and it's going to destroy iceland the band sigaros gets a shout out i had to listen mm. to to some sigaros last night just to you know <laughs> uh to reciprocate enjoying the shout out yeah, if you don't know Sigaros, you've probably heard them in a, a, a scene in a movie that made you cry. And you're like, fuck, why, why is this scene so powerful? And it's because they always play Star of Fleur by Sigaros in every single... You just Google it. You'll know what I'm talking about. You'll, you, it's in Life Aquatic. It's in everything. Like Just, just Google movie Star of Fleur Sigaros. Not that you would be able to spell any of these na- words. And... Uh, Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Bro wins, like I said, wins his judgment with cynicism. But even beyond cynicism, every single deviant passes judgment. And just the looks on all their faces of like, God has failed us and gone out of its way to destroy us in particular so many times. And now we are passing judgment. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? What does it do? Cool stuff. Interesting. Interesting. If if this is ever picked up building forward for deviant right. society. Yeah, like deviants since day one are the the Morlocks of the Eternals. Like they're they're the they're the ones that are shunned and worse than the side. Worse than that. The they shadows. were they were the 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 evil they're you know supposed to be straight up evil. They were supposed to be like the Eternals, even before like excess deviations, like, no, we just kill deviants full stop. And, you know, because they are what represents wrong and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, Jack Kirby created this whole thing to be as a commentary on this kind of racism and, and sort of like hierarchy of race uh, determining your your characteristic and all of this. But yeah, that <laughs> they they were not just shunned and ugly and unliked, but demonized by all of the powers that be by God, by the gods themselves. Yeah. So so conceptually, I have a hard time selling myself on celestials being gods and the progenitor being a God. I mean, it, it is one of those conceits that you kind of have to accept. As they're telling the story. I mean, they are the creators of the life on Earth, more or less. Or not creators, maybe, but they pushed it. They pushed it along. The 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 blood of of a celestial is what created the potential for humans to... Okay, so yeah, they created life to exist. They they are an it was ancient, a giant celestial yeah, in yeah, yeah, the yeah. primordial pool or whatever. Yeah, you right, you right, you right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I guess my my hiccup is like, there's no mythology or religion around. Right. So it's it's they don't hypocrisy the on what yeah definition. on what gods mean within it. It's a different. It's like a god's capital G versus lowercase g. Mm-hmm. Right, like there's the gods of humanity, and then there's the literal create, like the beings that act as creator, judge, knower, mm-hmm. uh, final arbiter of our fate. Right, and like, so there for in, practical in, 
for practical uses, they are the gods and Thor is not. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, for, like, but for spiritual use, for metaphysical use, Thor is and the, the Celestials the, aren't. Yeah, because every other use of gods and pantheons, mm-hmm. they were all created through belief. Right. And the Celestials were created by the first universe. Right, because he was lonely, and <laughs> but it's it, it's it's really just like every time I read Pretender is God, there's a part of my brain that's like eh. <laughs> I keep going, obviously, but like right, it's just one of those things that like stood out to me. The same way that like how they're using like Muti more casually in right. the Echo era, yeah, it's like it 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 just pauses my like my uh, rapture within right within the story yeah 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 that's fair issue three yeah i just want to run through some some judgments here uranos it, it approaches uranos to judge it and uranos is like it's too early for me and you know it festos passes and macari fails both for regretting creating the progenitor but Festos, it's because he's working to correct the mistakes, and Macri, it, it, it's just straight regret. Regret, or like I should have done a better job. And the the progenitor starts talking to the machine that is Earth, and is like, "I see you. You you go by, you know, with a smirk, saying you're trying to help these people. You don't actually help. You will be judged too." And machine's <laughs> like, "Oh uh. shit." <laughs> uh, and then we also get the. Um, the extended scene of Star Fox being rescued and the director's cut has a kind of an interesting dialogue, not really interesting with uh, his mother, Suizan and Sally, the poet fails because procrastination. She doesn't actually make her scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Issue three. Yeah. I should, I should also say that like they use this Star Fox scene, especially with Suizan, his mom and Thanos's mom. As kind of a setup for AXC Star Fox. Yeah. That we're going to cover next. And this is where they start to like. Yeah. So we get the extended cut of the extended cut. Yeah. Where they give a new meaning and definition behind, yeah. behind Star Fox, Eros, and and Thanos, actually. That is um, cool. Yeah. With, yeah. It, it was fun. I did really like it. It just, it's, it's now the new canon because that's what has happened the most recently. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, but it, it it makes it makes Star Fox's character make way more sense. Yes. It fits it within his own history and and I'm here for it. Totally. I'm totally down for it. Yeah. All right, issue 3. Issue 3. So we kind of learn the the whole, you know, we get an extended cut scene of how um the Eternals agreed to being telepathically guided by mutants. The machine refuses orders from the progenitor to, you know, destroy things, just shut off, explode, etc. The reality loom and but can't hold out for itself. And Nightcrawler's like, oh, I know specialists who are good with AI. And we will see that expanded scene expanded further because that's how Orcus gets recruited. Yeah. Fucking bonkers. And then, yeah, the machine helps Festos reboot it to disconnect with uh, the reality loom from everything, including... store factory settings. Yeah, which means it loses its awesome 
cool Kieran Gillen voice. And it's sad as hell. It is. Like, imagine, imagine rebooting your router. Like, (laughs) was that sad? Like, Festos is just like laying on the ground crying. I know. He's so destroyed. Because Festos has always had a line of communication with Machina that is Earth. Like, Mm -hmm. they've established a friendship together. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's just let, he had to reset his friend, basically. Yeah. It's like uh, resetting a Janet in the good place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that was that was a t- that was a tough scene. That was yeah. that was. I'm glad they did that last. Yeah, and we also have a uh, uh, sign and Exodus talking poetry together. Yeah, because this and is the poetry then- <laughs> that Sign actually remembers is from or thousands of years ago yeah thousands from thousands of years ago. ago when uh when or a thousand years ago yeah when uh when exodus was alive and it's like let's talk 12th century poetry <laughs> <laughs> yeah they have like a full-on conversation like <laughs> they they killed each other yep <laughs> and then they come back and they're like you want to talk poetry like yep. do we have to fight <laughs> yep <laughs> oh it's so cute yeah I love it. it's fantastic and i had nothing else from that issue no okay axe Star Fox axe Star Fox basically we get a handful of internal monologues and personal growth and exploration from Star Fox so mm-hmm. I'm uh heads up I'm gonna be going back and forth between saying Star Fox and arrows no I do so, the same thing yeah 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 <laughs> his birth name is arrows his hero name up until this point his hero yeah. name is Star Fox and so and if you're thinking, huh, Eros, that is, you know, a well-worn name. It, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence named to be the God of love, like all the Eternals or something very on the nose. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very specifically the Eros Thanatos duality with him and his brother Thanos. And so you kind of get like a character study of yes. Eros's denial of his birth name and not just his birth name but the responsibility put on him by his parents yes so his parents birthed thanos which is uh pretty bad mistake he he's he is an eternal born being with deviant dna and through him being who he is has brought death and chaos and evil into the world. And so can I ask so you a question? Parents, mm. Why? Why why, why was why did they have Thanos? Because it it goes very clear in this issue that they that you know their parents had Eros to sort of like atone for the mistakes of right. Thanos. Right. And balance mm-hmm. the ledger ledger a little bit. Uh, why, 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 why Thanos? Thanos? Uh, they wanted to see if they could blend eternal and deviant DNA. Okay, so it was just pure scientific fuckery. It was, yeah, it was, okay. he was a science experiment. Interesting. And he ended up being really evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and it's funny because like up until this book, I was always like, why have arrows if you if you had you brought Thanos into this world and you wanted yeah. to bring another like <laughs> right yeah you fucked up that bad and you said I'm gonna give this another shot right it just didn't make sense to me I yeah. always thought that Eros was the older one 
Right. Because there's no way you would keep trying after you have Thanos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, fucking tack it in, I'm done. And then this book happens and it's like, oh no, they made arrows because of Thanos. And so like there's that kind of tragic shadow over his birth name. And it's not just to to atone for Thanos specifically. They also give him a mission to change the unchanging people, essentially. Like you need you are the salvation of the eternals, more or less. Right. Yeah. And so because and there is something is and maybe that's why they were trying to put deviant DNA or you know, mixed deviant mm-hmm. deviancy with the eternals is to to say like our our complacency, our static nature is uh bad for us, bad for the world. There needs to be change. Yeah. And that honestly could have been that might have been the catalyst of the fight between Zerus and and Mentor. Mentor? Was it Mentor? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's why they got exiled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he lost and went to Titan, uh, where other where Titans, the the inhabitants of Titan had similar characteristics to the Eternals. And so they went to that. Yes. Planet. But anyway, so conceptually, that conceptually. is that is the premise of what Kieran Gillen is exploring in his Eternals run. Got you. Yeah. Of the Eternals. It's time for the Eternals to change. Yeah. But um, they are incapable and, of it. But they are designed not to change. Right. And so that's why they are currently hanging out in Lemuria to live among the deviants to try to understand change yeah um, cool it's very interesting that is um, interesting and then so there's also this point that 100 eternals were created but the list of eternals is 101 yeah because eros was added to the machine right he's the only being to have ever been added to mm-hmm. the machine and there's about an issue and a half of trying to add thanos to the machine mm-hmm. and every single time it fails yeah um, um but yeah so so yeah he's he's a kid and his parents are like okay go you know redeem our race save the world and he's like i gotta live first one day i'll do it right but i gotta you know go have a bunch of orgies yeah. out in space yeah he's 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 your classic runaway from my reluctant from my hero destiny. it's the yeah. yeah it's the reluctant hero trope in every yeah. single hero's journey story <laughs> yeah which so is he every chooses the name star fox yeah and and so like that is his like birth it's not his hero name it's just the name he goes in, in the same way that like <laughs> peter quill's like i'm star lord i'm not peter quill so <laughs> yeah. like he's star fox and anytime someone knows his name of, of is eros and they invoke the name of eros it sends him back to his time on titan and his yeah. parents expectations yeah and so he discards the name eros for the longest time and this is his sort of redemption story, his mm-hmm. acceptance of the um, uh, heeding the call finally after his many refusals of the call, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's every hero's journey. Oh, it, there's just some cool scenes where, he, you know, because he has these powers about influencing emotions from other people is like, you know, he goes to this scene of a, of a crowd panicking at you know, apocalyptic destruction raining down from the sky. And he's like, everybody calm down. And then they just like start checking their phones. He's like, okay, not that calm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we need to move. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and another one where he he uh, comes across a man buried in some rubble who's dying and and comforts him in his last final moments and says you know like uh it was a beautiful world it was good to live here while we uh if for just a short time and i'm glad i met you and the man dies with a smile on his face yeah and and that is such an outside the box use of his like power right? too and yeah. i i, oh, I <laughs> i'm so excited that well okay for two reasons one yeah. i'm glad that they are taking this ages old character and mm-hmm. um contextualizing him to not be a womanizer and <laughs> just a sexual harlot <laughs> right. um, but yeah. two in doing this it gives a better it gives a more usable marketable version of him to use in the mcu yeah yes <laughs> i was so nervous i was so nervous <laughs> yeah right when introduced star fox i was like oh no legitimately the only thing that came to mind about star fox is that he sleeps with everyone and he uses his powers to do it and i was like yeah. you know maybe right. not the best character to bring yeah. it to you and <laughs> you're not going to cast harry styles and not use him so right and so i was like crap yeah. this is not going to be good enter kieran gillen and his approach to the eternals and yep. everything tangentially related yes uh, Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My only other note from this issue is we get the extended cut scene of him cutting the deal with Zurus to allow humans to shelter in the Eternal City while the progenitor is laying waste to Earth in exchange for supporting Eternal again. Zurus to become Prime Eternal. At, Which is great. Good for Zurus. It's yeah. kind of his calling. It's his natural <laughs> place. But I, I would have liked it's also, to have more Star Fox I know. As a, or Eros as the yeah. Prime Eternal. But whatever. It's also a brand reset for the Eternals. Now they can kind of move move forward, be in a, right. in a more recognizable state for whoever Ugh. takes them but out of the box next that, to play with the toys. God, I yeah. forget which title it's in. But like... This happens Eternals a lot. We're, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, post post Judgment Day, they've gone out and just yeah, yep. They're just true. out in the world. I think now. that was they're in Omega. Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't Omega. They're just they're not even like they they're just among the people now. Yep. And and uh, well, what, at least <laughs> at least the the band of of Eternals that is the, the movie Eternals. The movie Eternals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Because just in the hundred Eternals that exist, there's like fifteen different groups. Right. Um, it was so. really cool to see that. I, I did a, a, a read a, the last couple issues of Gillen's run to kind of prep, mm-hmm. and it was cool to see him kind of spell out these factions and who is loyal to the Prime Eternal and who kind of mm-hmm. is a renegade mm-hmm. or goes their own way. So Prime Eternal still has significant sway with most of the Eternal population. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. AXE Iron um, Fist. Yeah, AXE Iron Fist. <laughs> My first note um, here is just absolute nonsense. It's dumb. I. You want to explain to the people who this current Iron Fist is and how this happened? And by the people, I mean we and me. I know I was. I know who it is. I was list. I was on the podcast with you. I listened. I remembered. But like. <laughs> Good gravy, dude. This is the first time you've had to read it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Lin Lee, aka Swordmaster, aka this guy that they introduced in Marvel uh, Future Fight and brought into <laughs> in, the a, in a mobile game not market. created. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Not a big, yeah. not as big of a deal as as I make it. But Swordmaster in his last appearance. It's uh, it's kind uh, of his, like 
when when there was the whole like dust up when the they were creating the Iron Fist show and they'd never created a um like there weren't any Asian superheroes in the MCU yet. Mm-hmm. And and they're like what gives? Like you you gonna you gonna make the martial arts guy a white guy? And it's like I was like, yes, because he is. Yeah, like that's <laughs> who Danny Rand is. And so the obvious solution <laughs> is like, well, then let's have an Iron Fist who's not Danny Rand that we can that we can pull up from next time we we have something like this going on. I guess. Any so Shao Lao, Shao Lao is mm-hmm. the dragon that the Iron Fist has to fight to seal the heart to get the dragon mark. In just a um, really cool, you know, 1970s kung fu movie scene. <laughs> it every time it looks fucking dope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shao Lao chose Lin Lee and just offers his power to him. They never yeah. fought. They're not even like Shao Lao reached out to him from like across the world and was like, <laughs> here, use my powers. Have a good uh-huh. time. Also, Lin Lee has his own thing with his own sword and Chinese history, uh, family history. And the sword is its own legendary artifact, family tribe blocking the Chinese Lord of Chaos from resurrecting, blah, 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 blah. Sure. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Anyway, his brother is the antagonist. His long lost brother, his Mm -hmm. racer X is the antagonist. (laughs) (laughs) And and in in true like anime speed racer fashion. So he's confronted with Loki many times. And well, Loki is teamed up with his brother. Yeah. And every reasons we don't know. Yeah, whatever. And, and, and then he makes a few appearances to Lindley. And it's like, I know where your brother is. And immediately, Lindley's like, where is he? Take me to him. <laughs> I must yeah. know where he is. Oh. So I can... <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so dumb. Anyway, uh, it, this issue exists to show their judgments, both mm-hmm. Loki and Lindley's, even though I don't feel Loki should be judged. <laughs> Although Thor, right? I don't, I don't feel, lo- I don't feel Th- Thor should have been judged either, but I, I feel like gods <laughs> gods don't care what happens to Earth. Like there are plenty of other planets yeah. and species that they could be worshipped by, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are actively worshipped by. <laughs> right, but whatever. Yeah. They love Earth. It's fine. So anyway, you dive into a backstory of Loki when he and Thor were children. You dive into a conceptual backstory of Lin Lee, um, which is unnecessary. And Lin Lee just lifts the fucking hammer because why not? Let's give him everything. It's in a story, and so it's in a story. Yeah. It's not a real hammer, but he does lift the hammer for visual sake, and somebody somewhere is going to use that as yep. Lindley is worthy for Mjol- to wield Mjolnir, and no, yeah. it's not. But anyway, <laughs> they they battle they battle a the progenitor presenting itself as Shao Lao, and so Lindley has his actual battle with Shao Lao, and then um, they pass. And yep. He, and Lindley once again refuses to, you know, be, tear the heart out of Shalau. And it's is his like, friend. Yeah. And it's like, of anime friendship. Yep. Power exactly. of friendship only works in anime. You don't, <laughs> don't bring that <laughs> to my Marvel books. I mean, this is an anime. <laughs> Everything about this is anime. <sighs> the thing that was cool to me is that Loki is being judged by Kid Loki. Like, mm who is, you know, a worthwhile judge who has the, the sort of like esteem in Loki's eyes to, you know, pass or fail him. Who, who, who does he respect enough? And obviously it's himself. He's Loki, but 
you know, just like who does he fall in love with in the Loki TV series? Obviously, it's himself. He's Loki. But <laughs> also, Man, I'm uh, yeah. Also, it's his his young self who is untainted by the expectations of being evil from other people and goes out and actually does good with the young Avengers, et cetera, et cetera. Journey into mystery. Great book. Read it. Yeah. I was, I've been toying with the idea of, of reading journey into mystery on, on Sundays. Oh, that'd be a good one. Be a fun one. It's really good. Just the explore mm-hmm. uh, the storyline. More Kieran Gillen, by the way. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> The the story of Loki becoming the god of stories instead of the god of lies mm-hmm. is just so it's so heady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. I like that. Yeah, but yeah, the, one of the worst side issues of this entire storyline. Well, I also Moving wasn't on. a fan of the next one. Yeah, Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four forty seven and forty eight. Yeah, yeah, also nonsense. It it seems like this was supposed to be AXE colon Fantastic Four, but the Reckoning War just kind of happened right at the just it like ended at the right time and so yeah. they're like well you know i guess we'll just make this two the two issues in the normal book after the mm-hmm. climax just to shove it in and it's like a completely different creative team right like it has mm-hmm. nothing to do like imagine having fantastic okay. four on your pull list and you've been buying it every month and you you've read through the and then these two War, issues come and you're like that was incredible like what a good full story that left me satisfied at the end and then you get a call from your uh lcs and comic shop and they're like hey we've got another issue of fantastic four in and you're like, what? I thought it ended. All right, I'm down. Like that was great. I'll yeah, I'll keep going. And then you get this shit. <laughs> so so, here's the thing that bugs me, and yeah. it only bugs me because I read so much. Mm-hmm. But like the constant rehashing of, hey, this character deserves to be taken seriously. This character is really strong this character yeah. is amazing like their their spotlight issue yeah or storyline mm-hmm. they do that with spider-man a lot and it's yeah. usually it it's usually a non-spider-man book like right, it's an course. avengers appearance or a wolverine yeah. team up or whatever it's like mm-hmm. oh hey other people who don't read spider-man spider-man's a big deal check them yeah. out yeah they do that with sue invisible woman every oh. few years all and the time it's like and for anyone who is a longtime reader of comics, it's like, yeah, Sue's effing amazing. And She's- not only that, <laughs> this is one of the worst examples of it. Like, this is this is yeah. basically the the, the, the storyline for these two issues is Reed locks himself in a way in sort of like a think tank chamber uh, where he can't be disturbed until he figures out the pro- the puzzle of how to solve Judgment Day. Right. Mm -hmm. And Sue's in charge and she's written with like no individuality, really. She's just kind of like strong female protagonist, like, yeah, like generic strong female protagonist. Like, look at me. I can do everything. I hold it down. Don't underestimate me. She she handles everything without actually showing her thought process it's just yeah <laughs> she just and it's like i will solve everything through the power of caring and and nurturing because these yeah. are my you know these are my woman powers or whatever yeah. and, but i also kick ass you know it's it's uh mm-hmm. and 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 this is one of those also one of those uh 
storylines that only works when you like it can only work by making Reed Richards into an idiot, which is a hard sell. Like, right. okay, so the main antagonist for this is Oubliette Midas, who's an interesting character because she runs around the world in a gimp suit and uh, <laughs> turns things into gold. And she's been used yeah. really well in the past in like Original Sin and the the Marvel Boy Novar series by Grant Morrison. Anyway, she gets a job at a, at the Baxter Building, no background check, <laughs> just kind of uh-huh. just kind of shows up and has a job. She destroys all the security effortlessly. Yeah, and then you know just tears down most of the building essentially. Like it, it and there's like a. You know, most of the building falls on Ben, and I don't understand a, how that's happening in the middle of the building, right? <laughs> the middle and of the back. They, they they just collapsed, like issue. You know, uh, floors like forty six and forty seven or something, right? Um, <laughs> and there's a big old force field that's blocking Johnny out, so he goes and buys a pizza, and and it's just like, and everything's on Sue, and she fucking handles her shit. Cool. There's one cool thing from this that I really liked, though. Mostly her the the usage of her powers was very unimaginative, uninspired. She could have handled shit much quicker and easier if she just was kind of like, you know, written to written standard uses of her powers. <laughs> uh-huh. But she makes a gun misfire by stopping the transfer between the the trigger and the uh, the cartridge igniting. Yeah. That was That's dope. impressive. That's I, I will give impressive. props where props do, and that was cool. Yes. Because Midas um, is like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You can't stop my gun from, you know, you can't stop the bullet once it comes out of my gun. It's too powerful. Uh, first of all, fuck off. Second of all, she's like, I'll just make the gun misfire. Pretty sweet. And then just single-handedly, well, it's weird because she attack. She stops Oubliette by attacking her self-confidence by telling her she's adopted yeah <laughs> that's it that's how you beat a right. super villain apparently but like that's that's lore changing <laughs> yeah impressively so but like, okay <laughs> well all right <laughs> and there's an appearance ubliat uh, makes a uh a evil clone of novar calls him space boy that's pretty cool yeah. There was like one, there was a random. So, on the little like personal hyperbolic time chamber that Reed uses, there's there's like text that shows like kind of what he's thinking about, I guess. Right. And one of the ones, so it, says, really it just says the average person falls asleep in seven seconds. Okay, whatever. But then there's this other thought of insects outnumber humans 100 million, and then it's covered by text but it's just like yeah yeah why are humans the representative for earth like <laughs> yeah i mean this is this oh. this was actually a plot point in that that same grant morrison marvel boy series uh yeah. the kree were like we are going to splice you know we're going to create the uh splice kree dna with the dominant species you know the strongest and most hardy and and most uh productive species on earth and so they used a cockroach right yeah because yeah (laughs) and then when we brought up this subject to matthew and paul which we're going to try to have on for an episode uh they're just like wait humans decide this right right right. (laughs) 
I was like, ah, damn, you know, you're kind of right. <laughs> uh, but, it, but so that conversation is in the back of my head. And then I read that and I was like, wait, yeah, he, yep. insects, insects, judge the insects. Um, <laughs> Maybe they are being judged and we just don't have a good lens on it. Well, which prompted me to act like, uh, so I tweeted Kieran Gillen a second time. <laughs> Nice. And I was like, and neither of them is in response to you. It's not a sure. big deal. I don't know why he doesn't love me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I asked, I was like, hey, you know, we got to see Cap and Crow as two representatives of people get judged the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone else that you wish you could have judged that you would like to? Yeah. And because I'd, I'd be really interested to see, like, every single time a Kieran Gillen storyline did a judgment. It was yeah. very interesting. Yes. And like, even just something like doom or the, the widow of the, of the plot line that we followed that, that died to bring. Oh yeah. Sign yeah. 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 Of just like, I'm Kamali. afraid that they would judge me. Yep. <laughs> Kamali. Yep. Little things like that make me really curious of like insert character X give what judgment why would you give them and 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 why <laughs> and it's it's i mean and obviously it's a great like kind of like landing point or jumping off point for telling stories because they're able to get so many out of this like and again like a lot of these that we're getting to is just like the story of the various judgment of various characters being yeah. being enough material to tell a whole like comic about that's mm-hmm. cool. And it, and it makes, and it, and it works. So yeah, yeah, I'm totally down. And then at the end of Reed's think tank session, he, he pops out and he's like, yeah, the, the solution, well, I didn't have a solution for the whole world, but I had a solution for how I can, you know, pass my own judgment and it's to spend more time with my family. So, Hey guys, <laughs> you know, the rest of the world, they can figure it out. <laughs> And and okay, I guess this is an ongoing thing for Reed, right? Like he is always sure. being judged on this sort of thing, and but this is uh, a very very like common plot point for him. It's just but interesting because like other he didn't he didn't do like what he, he he didn't do what he went in there to do. There's <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> but it's also like. Fantastic. So every every title gets that reset every few years because right. they have to because comics and sales right. and new yep. readers and all that. Yep. But like nobody gets a character reset as hard as Fantastic <laughs> Four. It's really true. Yeah. Like like Tony Stark, Captain America, Peter, Peter Parker, they all get resets, but yeah. like their character is still matured. Uh huh. Yeah. They just their their circumstances around the armor that they have or the mm-hmm. abilities that they have or whatever those get reset, but yeah. they are still a growing character. <laughs> Fantastic Four, with the exception of Thing, because he's always been a good person. <gasps> but <Yeah>. like <laughs> Sue getting underestimated and having to prove herself, right. uh, Johnny Storm being just an impulsive, immature ass, and right. Reed being the scientist that ignores his family always right. gets brought up and always is their like plot point coming of age storyline. Totally. And totally. it comes up every f- couple of years and it's really yeah. obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> Just, ah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
I don't have anything it's more. Annoying. You're absolutely right. It's yep. annoying. It, bo- it bothers. Like it bothers me the most with the Fantastic Four. I think. Yeah, um, because there's there's so much room to do other things with those characters, mm-hmm. and also because I wonder. Okay, I wonder if once we see an actual successful movie movie adaptation of the Fantastic Four and people just kind of like Marvel's comfortable with the strength of the brand and Mm -hmm. the, and how well, you know, like people are aware of the characters. I wonder if we'll start to be able to move forward on them. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> commercial external commercial sales bullshit i know <laughs> i know so it much. sucks um anyway uh, anyway on non other x-men let's do the non-x titles okay okay <laughs> just one last thing on fantastic four i got a little like teaser at the end of my issue that the next run of fantastic four is being written by ryan north so that's exciting i think he's gonna do a great job hmm. i mean i i love ryan north obviously he has a very distinct comedic voice from dinosaur mm-hmm. comics and squirrel girl, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's pretty well known mm-hmm. at this point, but he can write other things. And I, he's, he's a sciencey dude, you know, and he's a very smart guy. I think he's going to do a good job. Yeah. Uh, let's just do Avengers inspire. Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just blow through these. Avengers is, is the judgment of Hawkeye. Yeah. And Hawkeye doesn't care, which is kind of odd. I'm it's also, into it's it. Also, it's also arted by Greg Land. <laughs> that is also um, a thing, yeah. Which is not odd. Because <laughs> he does, he's doing, he has a book, Nonstop Avengers I, or something. I mean, look, you can work really fast and, <laughs> and, and draw a whole lot of books when you trace everything. <laughs> yeah so it's very so easy guess, for marvel to just call you up and be like hey we got a rush we got a rush job for you you want it mm-hmm. there is this is one of the first times where progenitor is portrayed differently yeah because progenitor shows up to clint as black widow but she doesn't have the glowing eye right and signifying, unless that's just an artistic thing for us this entire time. Right. But, but like, it's just a little odd. Yeah. Um, and then, like, in this one, Progenitor is more than willing to have a full-on conversation with totally Clint for, like, the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like and takes on a bunch around. of different forms too. Also, yeah, acts as Luke Cage for a little bit. It, it's a goofy one. There, there were a couple things in here that I liked. One, we kind of get a little bit of word on why the Celestials keep judging humanity. Oh and, yeah, they're tilfs. Yeah, they're tilfs. <laughs> and Hawkeye's like, yeah, <laughs> like no, 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 some other ridiculous acronym. But it basically means that. Earthlings are impulsive, and, uh, self-destructive, but love an audience. And this makes them like an object of concern for the cosmic community. So yeah, that was that is interesting. That yeah. like it flips it flips the conversation around Earth on its head. <laughs> it does. It also um, kind of like 
I'm not sure it's totally compatible with the rest of Judgment Day. Like this is it's not a, a, <laughs> an, an Eternals God thing. Like you know, and and the Judgment is about like the particulars of of this God and spirituality, and you know, the eternal mission and all that. But that's fine. Like this was an yeah, interesting concept, and they played. It's with not it. blasphemous, but it just fit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like every other time when you see galactic empires talk about Earth, they talk about like how unique and odd Earth is. Right. And that it's the only planet to stave off Galactus and multiple, multiple times. times at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just like it makes itself known to the universe so often, but still I mean, hasn't mastered space travel. <laughs> right. As we were talking about with the, um, Shi'ar Galactic or Diplomatic Council in X-Men Red uh, recently. Mm -hmm. The entire thing is made up of people from Earth. (laughs) Oh my gods, dude. Are you kidding? Like, (laughs) It's Storm, it's T'Challa, it's Richard Rider, it's it's Hulkling. And Orbis Stellaris. Yeah. Who is from Earth. We just don't know who it is yet. I bet we're going to learn who that is before by issue 12 of X-Men Red. Okay. That's my, Sounds good. That's my declaration. Sounds good. Knowing me, it's going to be another Attack on Titan situation. <laughs> I made a prediction on a plot point in Attack on Titan that something was going to happen by issue 9 at the earliest. And it happened in, in episode like 72. <laughs> I think I accidentally read a spoiler on Orbis Solaris. I'm not sure I remember correctly. Like but who when, it is? Yeah, when I first popped up, like when they first popped up in in oh, uh, in X Men Red, I was like, "Is this a character that I should know?" Let me look them up, and I did. Oh, really? I, <laughs> yeah, and I think I saw a spoiler. Oh, Steven. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that it's is that habit. is a good. It's a good quandary to have because yeah. legit though, whenever I get in an, in the X titles when a yeah. mutant gets revealed yeah. i immediately assume oh steve probably knows who this is <laughs> so i saved myself the the research uh-huh. <laughs> okay um, leave it to me to get yeah. spoiled sure sometimes <laughs> that actually happened to me with uh not that actually happened to me but like conceptually that sort of happened it was something that i had to take away from uh across the spider-verse Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see if I had forgotten something from the comics. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I found out that it was introduced in the movie. And I was like, cool, ah, good. <laughs> Moving <nice>. on. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not exactly sure whether it was Orbis Stellaris or a different character who I spoiled mm. myself on. But I think I spoiled myself on somebody recently. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing is the kind of get a little more explanation for how the judgments work. And this is not really something you wouldn't know if you read everything else, but it sums it up really well. And it's like, if there's a a contest, yeah, yeah, yeah. If there was a contest for best alligator, who would you choose to win? Would would it be like the alligator who most denies the fact that they're an alligator? Would you do like the saint of alligators? Or would (laughs) you do the alligator who best exemplifies being an alligator? And, And, you know, who eats the most people or whatever. And then just do that for everybody, you know. I actually started to, to their get own. excited. Well, I start. I started to get excited when, like, of where you could go with this. When the progenitor was like, "Okay, I'll compare you for the for your judgment. I'll compare yeah. you against 
this a mailbox. mailbox. Yeah. And then you have like this page and a half where the mailbox is making people's days by <laughs> <laughs> creating situations for them or like saving their day and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, shit, <laughs> wait. <laughs> and that was cool. I that was that. funny. And that's a good, that's a good like level of Hawkeye self-deprecating humor as well. I enjoy <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> but he, uh, yeah. Should we move on? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Spider-Man. Anyway, Hawkeye passes, I'm, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hawkeye passes. Uh, Spider-Man. I'm going to let you take the wheel on Spider-Man here. <laughs> I was, okay. I was really weirded out by this. Mm-hmm. The, the art was weird. The, it was, weird was super that, weird. The art was super angular and, and different. And then, yeah. so Pete gets visited by Gwen Stacy as a progenitor. Yeah. Or progenitor yeah. as Gwen Stacy. But Gwen Stacy follows him around all, all day. day. Yeah. And, and, and everybody in the issue who's being judged by somebody is being followed around all day. Kamala yeah. is being followed around by Carol all day. Mm-hmm. And then the the stinger Aunt at the May end has we learn. Ben. Aunt May is is just really stoked to be able to hang out with Uncle Ben. And that's sweet. Yeah. But the stinger at the end is that Norman Osborne is also being followed around by Gwen all day. I guess because that Gwen doesn't have the glowing eye. Well, doesn't have the like fire. Oh, so you think that's just his guilty conscience? I don't know because it wasn't he's he been absolved, absolved of his sins, yeah. right? So, like, I would think that because of cosmic Mephisto BS, Norman should pass, <laughs> right? <laughs> but regardless, yeah. So he's followed around by Gwen, and so so Pete under the pressure of being watched by the progenitor is trying to continually do the right thing. He reaches out to Aunt May, uh, visits her for a little bit, helps fix her leaky faucet, helps Joe go get a suit because yeah. he's getting married to, to Janice, who is uh, the current beetle who is Tombstone's daughter. And he goes and sees Jonah and Jonah's freaking out. So he's trying to apologize <laughs> about everything to everyone that he's done in yeah. the last 50 so years. This is a common thing <laughs> in this you know, issue, which doesn't happen very much in the rest of Judgment Day, which is a lot of people are trying to pad their stats a little bit, cook the books right. in mm-hmm. their favor to 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 pass. And J. Jonah Jameson's the most hilarious example of it, you know, uh, offering everybody back pay and uh, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> What's interesting is he's seeing his judgment play out in Gwen's eyes. Yes. So anytime he's making a poor decision or is hesitating, Gwen has this like stoic, almost like judgment right. on her face. And then when yeah. he does something right, she smiles. And it's like, okay. And this is not <laughs> how it happens in any, anybody else's thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like and it's also so blatant to and it's also again, it's not the it's not the best crocodile thing, right? You're right. Everybody's being judged on being a good person and not how much they exemplify themselves how yeah how much they live by what they believe and and it's one of those things where like based on reading axe i'm like spider-man totally is gonna pass right in reading this spider-man issue i'm like no he doesn't pass (laughs) i don't want him to pass the way he's trying to live up to the the gwen stacy's following him that's not the Pete that I want. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, he tries to go and find Ben, uh, who's currently Chasm, and who knows what's happening there. Well, we're going to find out. Ben Riley. 
Yeah, Ben Riley. And then uh, he goes and meets up with Miles. And he's just like, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm proud of you. And it's like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Anyway, so it ends with him going to, with Pete going to work. And if you remember, Pete has accepted a job to work for Norman Osborne, which is weird at yeah. Oscorp. I don't remember Kamala ever getting hired to work at, at Oscorp, <laughs> but here she is. And when Norman shows up, Spectre Gwen is like scared because has a freak you know, out. Yeah. Yeah. And she leaves. And so and this is like actual Gwen way more than anyone else has been who yeah. any of the judgments have been their actual person. Right. And she loses her eye thing. Yeah. And just is regular Gwen. And then Pete follows her to the roof to apologize. And he's like, Hey, I'm super sorry. Something happened during the six month jump that the readers haven't read yet. And and Osborne <laughs> is the only one. <laughs> Osborne is the only one to be there for me. So I need to believe in him. And then it speaks in in the speech bubble of the progenitor and just like, I hear you, you live up to the person you're kind of trying to sort of be to a degree. Um, yeah. I passed you. And it's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and and then he also says, so received, so receive my gift. Yeah. And you're like, what? And then, and then yes. just Gwen Stacy just plops onto the ground in front of Pete. Yeah. And and he's like, wait, what? And, and it's Gwen from back then. Like she hasn't it's, aged. Yep. She's in the clothes that she died in. <laughs> Her <laughs> neck works. So that's good. Um, <laughs> but she's just like, I don't know what's what's happening. You look so much older. I just know that I missed you. And it's like, oh, that's cute. And it's then like, we um, only had they, a moment here. Yeah. Yeah. They start to embrace and then they're, they're crying because they're so happy. And then Gwen's like, okay, I have to go. Progenitor said, I don't have a moment. I'll see you later. Bye. Yeah. And so, I, uh, well, that's he, odd. Yeah. Peter also says, I still love you and I'm trying to do right by you every day. Yeah. Cause F Mary Jane, they're, dude, <laughs> da, some of the stuff that's shown up in my, anyway, <laughs> um, I assume down somewhere in the next few issues, he yeah. says he loves Mary Jane like a sister. And it's just like, bro. <laughs> Wells, right. Zeb Wells, come on, man. Anyway, I know um, he was so good in yeah, so many other things. Sense. Yeah. Anyway, but then, but that is physical Gwen Stacy resurrected for ten seconds to say hi right. to Pete because he passed judgment. But right. then on top of that, Norman Osborn saw that and it was like, holy shit, Gwen Stacy was here. What? Yeah. Um, what the and. Hell? And Norman, being the repentant man that he is now, is clearly shook shook by this, but not like right. Um, he's not like exploring it and like evil geniusing geniusing <laughs> no. that. But it ends with him being like, "Okay, it's fine. Everything is fine." And then there's a, a red eyed, glowy like cyborg eye Gwen Stacy staring yeah. at him behind him, and then the issue ends. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, fun, great, awesome. <laughs> <sighs> It's a dumb issue. It was a dumb issue. I mean, not reading, dumb not reading the title. I didn't like it, but I didn't have a you know a context for it. Is what it is. Anyway, yeah. there's one other non-X book in the in Judgment, and that was uh, Captain Marvel. Oh yes, I forgot to take notes on that one. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel forty two, which takes it's just the first issue after the trials storyline. Mm -hmm. trials ended on issue 41 so that's perfect 
And basically, it's the judgment of Carol and L'Oreal, her half-sister. They have the same mother. Uh, L'Oreal is being judged by their mom, Marielle. Right. And Carol's being judged by uh, by Marvel, who's right. up in on a pedestal. Uh, yeah. And then and then also Chewy is getting judged. Oh yeah. Who is a who is a flurkin. Chewy the flurkin. Uh, which is an which is an alien cat that has a like a dimensional portal in its stomach and tentacles <laughs> in its mouth. He's getting judged by Carol. And he <laughs> and he goes around cats are um, beyond our judgment. <laughs> like he grabs this is, he like hunts down a mouse is about to kill it he looks at carol carol gives him the thumbs down so he lets it go and then the, and then the thumb goes back to neutral and you're like oh, okay there's anything Flexible. that if yeah i call i call shenanigans on that if there's anything that humans actually want a cat to do it's to actually kill the fucking mouse get it out of the house don't don't just like play with it <laughs> And then just like let it run off, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> Although in its semi defense, this is in the hallway, so it's not in Carol's apartment. <laughs> but Even better, now dumb. you don't it's, have to clean it up. Yep. Anyway, it's Chewy going around and helping the tenants and getting thumbs ups on that. Uh, the tenants of the apartment building that Carol yeah. lives in, and then solving the problem that that real Carol and L'Oreal couldn't solve because they're busy dealing with the symptoms and not the the problem and in doing that chewy passes and l'oreal and and carol pass because they saved people yeah it's class like <laughs> this, this this is it, yeah. the the non non thinking generic it, it's the second type of yeah. of the application of the judgment story. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. They saved people. They pass. Like that's yes. what you would knee jerk assume the world is going to do. <laughs> right. And we got the example of it, and we see how non compelling it is. Moving on. <laughs> there's there's like there's just there's nothing good. Like you didn't even have the like fun banter moments that I. I like celebrate that you've loved Captain about Marvel title. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember that. And it's, it's like, ugh, what a terrible, what a terrible first issue for you to read of Captain Marvel. <laughs> wow. Ah, whatever it is. Yeah. What it, is. it just, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't compelling. It wasn't thought provoking to any degree. It wasn't, it wasn't an, uh, an original take on the judgment day yeah. situation. Yeah. So, but a, an alien, who doesn't even live on earth got judged. <laughs> That's right. L'Oreal, the accuser, got judged because she was currently on earth at the time. Right. You could take that and extrapolate a bigger picture thing, but they're not going to run with it. So <laughs> no, it's no point. In, it's no point in thinking too much about it. <laughs> All right. So for the X-Men tie-ins, do you want to start it? I'll let you start decide. Because, so you, okay. so I, I feel like, uh, red and immortal we should do last oh i was gonna say immortal we should do first maybe no it's fine because okay. those are the two hype ones those are the two hype ones okay so so let's let's <laughs> let's try and do go quickly then because we're already at yeah, an yeah, hour yeah. and a half so we're working our way all the way up to hype so <laughs> we can start at x-force did you read marauders at all for this 
Because yeah. you said that some of it was in your next trade. Yeah, I I, I bought it. Oh, you bought it. Marauders, okay. Marauders six. Okay, I didn't reread Marauders for this, so I because I I didn't know, and I ran out of time. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, uh, if fine. I'm if 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 the progenitor is is staring over my shoulder, and this is specifically Amazing Spider Man, and I'm being judged on whether I'm lying to you or not. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 I mean okay. The Marauder, Marauder 6 issue is basically what you would expect from a side tie-in book, especially a team book. You have a team of like six individuals and they each get a page and a half of of their judgment and oh, what sure. they saw as their judgment. I'm uh, realizing that, uh, by the way, this is just a side note, but I'm realizing that, remember when Kitty Pride was, or sorry, Kate Pride was killed off? in marauders and we were just like what the fuck was that like that was so anticlimactic it just happened it was only for the purpose of getting her back on krakoa for the quiet council voting yeah there's no other reason for it yeah you're right (laughs) oh Mm. i did Mm. i did actually like this i will uh, say one thing i did like issue one thing i liked conceptually but the cynic in me is just like, okay, you're just cut. You're just, you're just wiping away whatever. But like, yeah. they just did this King Crimson battle for survival, yeah, big deal thing, and then they're expected to just jump right into Judgment Day, and so yes. they do a quote unquote mutant circuit of Bur- of a resurrected Birdie and Somnus. Yeah. To oh my god, take 10 minutes of real time to help them all process and think and get past the trauma of the last storyline. I say trauma from their perspective, not that we saw it really happen because it was not written well. (laughs) Yes. I do (laughs) like this use. I do like this use, this bringing back of Birdie. She was an incredibly minor character. I don't even know if she had lines <laughs> previously. She was basically a captive telepath of Sabretooth who used her like a drug to calm down his homicidal rages and produce a sort of state of euphoria. And yeah, she she basically had no agency, no characteristic whatsoever. She was just kind of a, a football. So it's it's nice to see her being used in a respectful and affirming way where she has a job and she is a mental health practitioner who has like skills instead of just like her power produces the glow. It makes you feel good. She is a drug. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. It's like, how do you use this going forward? Yeah. If you wanted to yeah, use yeah. her as a character, how yes. can you effectively use her? She's like the, oh, the mutant answer for Doc Sampson, right? Like, yeah. The, and trauma. Every, yes. Yes. And every Peter David comic has an issue where <laughs> the assembled heroes, you know, are being treated by Doc Sampson and he goes deep into therapy with them. And and now the mutants have their their own versions of that. They can. Yeah. They can go through it their own. Yeah. So you have you have Birdie doing the glow thing in combination with Somnus, who can stretch out mental time. Yes. And so like from an outsider's perspective, it's an easy 
as a get out of jail free card, which is like, yeah, they processed it moving on. (laughs) (laughs) But from, if you tell the story from, from their point of view of just like going through all the steps and taking as much time as they need in their own mental space, which they do a little bit here in this issue. Mm -hmm. um, That's a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. This also has cameos from some, Steve Orlando's really going through the hits of obscure 90s and early 2000s X-Men characters because we've got Mr. Scratch, who is um, the mutant whose mutant ability is to be immune to other mutant powers from the alternate universe uh, X-Men comic that I read recently, who Wolverine once stabbed him in the brain and, and he existed in a constant state of murderous rage. And now Brimstone Love has cured that. Uh, also, mm. Dirt Nap, the rat with the big old smiley face on his back, makes oh, a cameo appearance. That's a actual. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a character from the Dark Riders. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He he had a hero turn. He's he's a Larry Hama character. So take with that information what you will. He he had like this big dramatic hero turn where he died eating a bomb oh. to save everybody. He his power is he can like eat things or something. I don't even remember. Uh, There's also another issue of Marauders in between what we read and this Mm. that I don't remember. It was the conclusion of the... Okay. It Clearly, it made a big uh, impact on us. But yeah, so Bishop is going through his memories of the XSE uh, officers from his future who he came to the present with and they both died, Malcolm and Randall who just have the dumbest names ever like that's your that's your super guy name i guess bishop is is his last name so it's like everybody's just kind of in the future is just hanging out with their names and jean marie is hanging out with all of her different you know dissociative identity identities and kind of some of her alpha flight past villains who've screwed with her head not super important tempo is being judged by one of her mutant liberation front teammates, Sumo. And we kind of get into the texture of her, like when she's saying, yeah, when time changes, I remember everybody else forgets. That's really painful to me. This is the example here is that she witnessed Sumo becoming like a, a big hero and having a full redemption, but then she had to, basically erase it when she changed time and they had like a closer relationship and it had to be removed in order to basically save the day. Right. Yeah. So whatever timeline they were on, June ends up having his hero arc and then in doing so goes back and undoes whatever and then she sees june and she knows his potential she knows that he could have been a hero and the next day cable shoots yeah. him in the head <gasps> right <So>. okay <laughs> yeah psylocke stabs mr S- uh, Quanin. psylocke stabs mr sinister in the head with her psychic knife and because he and he's the progenitor but also her her kid is the progenitor i don't really have anything else than that she's just kind of angry yeah and then Somnus is being judged by Northstar. Yeah. Because he was the first mutant hero to be out and be publicly out as gay. Um, I like that. Yeah, me too. And and so the whole thing is like, you spent your entire life 
in the closet, like you were, this is your kind of like avenue for being judged basically. Mm-hmm. Which and is he, rough. It is rough. And he's basically saying, uh, but you know what? I can't change that, but now I'm going to move forward. So that's one of the gray areas in the progenitor where it's like, are you living your best life and you're on your way to doing the right thing? Yes. But it's not about tomorrow. It's about today. So fuck off. You fail. So who knows? And then Daken is being judged by himself. Right. Which was interesting. Another, yeah. another different take on progenitor that like, it's basically looking in the mirror this time. I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them get their final judgments. Do they? Yeah, they don't really dive into what the up or down was, just what they experienced. Yeah. Which from a and from a from a therapy trauma session doesn't really yeah. matter. It's it's really, you know, what did you go through? Yeah. And Cassandra Nova declines joining at all, which is yeah, terrifying, but unex- <laughs> uh, unsurprising. And then the last page stinger, we get a new sort of bad guy in the Orcus umbrella, somebody named Judas Traveler. So you don't really know anything more than that. Nope. No idea. I think I I ought to. Maybe maybe I'll look him up now. Okay, while you're looking Um, him up, I'm just going (laughs) to... Issue five of Marauders, that was the end of the King Crimson storyline. Yeah. Nothing really take home about but as far as like threads that have changed characters cassandra nova used the wet skin uh which was the lobotomized symbiote and so she was a symbiote for a little bit while they attacked nemesis and then when they got back she gave that symbiote whose name is zzxz not to be confused by zzyxz who is a character of pure energy right gave that wet skin to Warbird. Right. Who the we got introduced to Warbird as the caretaker for Kid Gladiator in Wolverine and the X-Men. Jason Aaron's run. But so yeah, but so she has the symbiote now. And then the other takeaway is someone named Cerebra is here. And I felt oh, yeah. like I should have known who she was, but I just don't. So this is where knowing too much about <laughs> having read too much comics backfires on you because Cerebra. So remember how I was complaining about the whole X-Force Cerebrax thing because they've already <laughs> done evil Cerebro comes and tries to kill everybody. Well, yes. after they destroyed Cerebro after that, they remade it as Cerebra and they spent 10, right. 15 years with a cerebra. cerebra. Yeah. It yeah. was like a, it was like a smaller ver- it was a more compact version of cerebro. Right. It was like a travel cerebro. Yeah. But that's cerebra? I don't think Is so. It the same I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Moving on. That's Marauders. It was so a, it was Judas, an interesting yeah. book at least. Judas Traveler, I just looked it up. He is a character from the 90s. But he is a Spider-Man character from the 90s. He has never oh. he's never appeared in an X-Men title before now. Oh. oh, he was in Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird. What was he doing there? I don't remember. Oh, maybe just anyway. referential. Yeah. He might have been the the Orcus person. 
Oh than, yeah, because there was the, that the, there was the, that off-panel werewolf guy. Yeah, there was an off-panel view of just somebody's like it was like a real Doctor Claw moment where you just saw hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the chair. So cool, Judas Traveler, bad guy, Orcus, Orcus, <laughs> Judas Traveler, Orcus, bad guy. <laughs> With a name like Judas Traveler, I don't think you have to, you know, assume With very a name much. Like to Judas, assume. like come on. Assume he's a bad guy. Was it nominative declare de, de, no, determinism? Yes, yes, yes. Determinism, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Esteban Corazon um, de Ablo. See, so we did Marauders, we got the Marvel. So the only other comic I had to download was Legion of X number six. But I think we also had to do Legion Legion four, four, and five. four five, and six. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So four, so five, Legion, and six. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> So yeah, Legion Four is the end of the um, the last story arc regarding the trickster god, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, or actually, four and five kind of do that. So after the whole mix-up that happened on the astral plane last time, we covered Legion of X, and Kurt. They go into Kurt's desires, and it's having just a raucous night of sex with Zen. Yeah, they hook up. Later says, like, because there's a long character study of Kurt going on through this. And it's like, what do you ever do for yourself? Like, what what do you, you know, what drives you? You know, you are full of hypocrisy. You are full of, like, all of these rules and maxims that you apply selectively, etc. And, you know, even when we hooked up, that wasn't for yourself. It was you're just like, that was for Sen. That was for me. Uh, or Sen says that was for me. You enjoyed it. But yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, Legion says that there's a secret no place somewhere on the beach. And a skinjacker made Charles forget about it. Even Warlock doesn't feel it. And also Warlock won't reveal to Legion why he knows so much about Krakoa and what's going on. But this seems to be something of the payoff of, you know, like, sorry, your dad's dead. Oh, yeah. Dude, Legion is just such a fun character. I'm I'm so glad he's, he's been brought back. Totally agree. Mm. Yeah. Nightcrawler forces Switch to switch with him and ends up, you know, blindfolded in front of the god, dislocates his arms to take off his blindfold, confronts the god who turns out to be t- Tumult. The trickster chimera and is a mix of all terrestrial trickster gods. Oh my god, so cool! Very cool. Basically, like somebody on Araka, we find out pretty much immediately who yeah, someone yeah, yeah. on Araka came up with the concept of a trickster god, and because they didn't know what that would look like, <laughs> it this trickster god just end up ended up being a chimera of all the trickster gods. Yeah. And he's just like, who am I? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Very so interesting. Cool. So and he describes himself as he's got the helm of Loki, the feathers and fruits of Eris from yeah. Huehuacoyotol, uh, this mocking jaw from Anansi, the limbs of fable and fate, Veles and Hermes, Mali and, and Manan, Mananan, Nana Bojo, and and Kagan and a dozen more lost to age and apathy. Just like, just a full amalgam of of tricksters. And it's just, yeah, <laughs> he just very interesting. He looks cool. 
right? He's got four arms. He's got that of, of Maui. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you see, you see the the horns. We've been teased. Right. Loki's and they're horns. so and visually like, distinctive. Really gonna be Loki? That it's not gonna you be see Loki. the horns in, in silhouette and you're like, huh. <laughs> and yeah, so we get and then we get, yeah, we get his name, Tumult. And then he kind of complains and, to Nightcrawler of just like, yeah, I was brought into existence and then they denied me. <laughs> and we learn who it was that brought him in, and it was Aura Serrata herself. The mm-hmm. um the arbiter the giant floating eye. The giant floating <sighs> eye, who is kind of the keeper of law on Araco, and specifically the law against having gods at all. Mm-hmm. So here's a real big hypocrisy here. I didn't realize, and so, so we don't need to go into every single detail of each issue, sure. but I didn't realize until Nemesis pointed out that yeah. there is a body. <laughs> Yes. Did you notice this? No. I mean, I I saw something like on top of the eye. I thought it was a crown. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to say what it is. The eye takes a lot of visual real estate. It it really captures the intention. And it's not just anybody. It's a baby body. It's just little baby having tantrums and stuff. And and yeah, Dr. Nemesis delivers a great line where he says, did I just lick my own head? Because he has those psychedelic mushrooms growing out of his head now. Like, did I just lick my own head or is that a giant eye attached to a baby body? <laughs> is, he read that and I was like, wait, no. It's going to change <laughs> its design this entire time. I always thought that was a crown. <laughs> but like, yeah, it makes it's sense. legitimately. It's so much smaller than the a eye. A giant but, eye of all. Yeah. And yeah, I thought that was a crown, but it's it's. It's a throne <laughs> for which the baby body to sit on. <laughs> Incredible. And uh, and that actually becomes relevant in X-Men Red. Then we we get like a memo where Charles is like sending a message to, to Kurt and is like, hey, you know, can you give me regular reports on Kane? I know you want him in your Legionaries, but like I want to keep tabs on him. Also, do you have any info on like what's going on with Banshee and this weird spirit? That has possessed. We late. We later learn it's the spirit of variance, which is kind of a take, interesting take on the spirit of vengeance. That because he kind of looks like a ghostwriter head. I'm sure will be explained a little more later. And also, hey, all these people who you are like, you know, who are breaking laws, who you are dealing with in the Legionnaires, can you put them? And you should put them in front of council's judgment. You're kind of that. That's kind of what we do. And he says no to everything. In a post-it, like yeah. <laughs> he wrote Can't his even be on a post-it note and sent it back. <laughs> this this book it really revels in being just absolutely snide as hell to Charles Xavier. Yeah, it's like, hey, we've spent the last few years uh, living by Charles's rule. These are the people <laughs> who don't believe in it, <laughs> right? Oh man, but yeah, and then just conceptually, what's the conclusion to the tricks are gone? Yeah, so that's uh, kind of the main thing on five. Yeah, basically, so Aura kind of gets called out on have you know on being the the creator of Tumult, goes on a rampage through the altar, which is the psychic space in uh, the 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 place with the Kirkoa gate inside Legion's brain, and starts 
you know, destroying things. Meanwhile, Switch gets to Legion, which is kind of terrifying. And so there's a lot of like, you know, if you die in the astral plane, that's bad, et cetera, et cetera. Dr. Nemesis delivers a great line. I refuse to dissipate into Gaiman-esque abstraction. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just fully referencing Sandman in another comic. It's cool. Legion uh, unleashes his other superpowered personalities and against Aura, and they all get obliterated. I don't know if that'll be relevant going forward, but we'll see yeah. if that's if that's like has consequences or if it's just like, yeah, it's Legion. He's got a you know endless number of these. And so they they save Legion from Switch, obviously. And they they basically solve the problem of aura with mirrors. You know, the aura's obliteration powers are all would all be reflected at back at her if she uses again, and also Storm showing up and and being like, We got a challenge here for you. Like, bring this god to you know Araco as uh to the great ring as per the god law. But they switch switch the the skin jacker mutant with Tumult the trickster god and give Tumult a new life in Switch's body on Araco or on Krakoa. I guess fuck Devin Alomar switch, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you could yeah. be resurrected once we figure out the goof or whatever, maybe. And Zen leaves Kurt in the middle of the night, but not before painting a picture of her, of him, because she paints with truth. We never get to see what it is, but he gets knocked down onto his knees by it. So would love to see what it is. And we also learned that Aura Serata was a Mother Righteous client. Mm, this mm-hmm. this character, Mother Righteous, this being of great power who's cutting deals, who we assumed was the trickster god, right. isn't, and has a lot of things going on, cutting deals with all sorts of people. So, mm. and that actually becomes relevant because Mother Righteous just starts showing up in other books besides Legion of X. I thought yeah. she was clearly yeah. just confined to Legion of X, but no. Oh. She's becoming a big uh, player. Anything else? Nope. Okay. So we moving along. Shotgun through these lesser titles. So Wolverine 24 well, we've got, and 25. We've got, Legion, we've got Legion, the actual crossover. With, oh, the actual crossover. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. With Judgment. Yeah. Oh, let's do this after X-Men Red because this ties into X-Men Red. Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay. Wolverine 24 and 25. Uh, Wolverine's being judged by Progenitor all while teaming up with Solemn whose uh, mutant ability is that he, his skin is made out of adamantium. They both have a Muramasa blade. And Hellbride, who's the, who's the daughter of the Beast of the Hand, when Wolverine first went to go get the Muramasa blade, he and Psalm killed the man that mm-hmm. Hellbride was supposed to marry. And so now she's pissed and she wants to go get revenge. And so she takes a trip to Earth to deal with them and, and uh, no one dies and everyone goes back to square one. And uh, we move on. <laughs> yep. And it's basically like he he saves her when she's laying down face first in the snow. And then they later have their team up. And then he gives her the mirror masa blade of his own volition. And Psalm's like, I, I want I just want to go to hell to hook up with the hell bride now. Like, screw this judgment day uh-huh. stuff. And Wolverine's being judged by everyone he's ever killed, which is not an original idea. And uh no, backup story. No. <laughs> and then there's a backup story, which is basically an ode to bar fights. 
Cool. Moving what on. We, uh, X-Force? Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, X-Force was like 30 through 33. Yeah. Uh, We've got a lot of 30, X-Force. 31 it through says 33. Anything. Um, yeah, Sage wants to send Omega Red and Deadpool on a good PR mission using them because they're deniable agents because they're not even full like Krakoan citizens or member of, of X-Force. And there's like, you know, Russian people doing bad stuff in a northern shipping passage, et cetera, et cetera. Omega gets annoyed with Deadpool and maims him, cuts off his arms, and then he gets eaten by a bear found by Craven the Hunter for some weird reason who is out hunting things, hunting polar bears, and then goes into a bar, overhears someone say, mutants are the apex species now. And Craven's like, well, obviously now I have to go hunt mutants. He goes to the North Pole naked in a weirdly sexual, sexually charged thing where he confronts the progenitor. Drunk Sage takes Omega Red to the shadow room as an outlet for his homicidal urges. Deadpool reconstitutes uh, basically craven finds deadpool's head in the polar bear's stomach uses him to ride through the gates beast is turning into even more of an asshole now he's xenophobic he wants to close the borders to all these mutant refugees who they're rescuing sage's response is to keep drinking craven infiltrates arbor magna destroys all the eggs Kills Maggot and Icarus, who just like can't get a break. Come on. Uh, and not Icarus, the Eternal with a K. Icarus, Sam Guthrie's no. little brother with the Red Wings. And yeah, hunting. He decides to hunt Wolverine because he's like the meanest mutant of all, right? Gets to Beast, it, takes him to the Shadow Room, uses him as bait. And, you know, Wolverine wins the duel. Craven escapes. It doesn't let go of the grudge, so maybe he'll be used again. Anything else from X Force for you? That's four issues right there. I just I mean, that was straight through. That was more than I would have said. So yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, just because it's one of those things where they you you're telling an X Force story and you feel like you have to have Wolverine, but he's got his own title, so he had to do that, and then he had to <laughs> yeah. show up for X Force. But he was also a player in AXE, so like you gotta, you can't do anything consequential, and you gotta do yeah. it fast. <laughs> Why not just do? And this is like, this is an example of the third version done wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just do the director cut of his scenes in AXE where he's doing useful things to the plot, but no, you have to, he's right. Wolverine. You have to put him everywhere. Mm-hmm. Obnoxious. Agreed. X-Men uh, 13. Yeah. 13 and, and 14. Think, did we do 14? Yeah, we did. 14. Yeah. 13, 14. Um, this is a hell of a trial for the brand new team. They're just thrown straight into the shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the, the fact recruited. that Hellfire Gala jumps right into AXE just... Yeah. The poor team. <laughs> yeah. So Bobby uh does the 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 same kind of snow globe thing that they did in space and marauders recently. Now they're doing that <laughs> in the ocean and they're getting mm-hmm. the X-Men team into the Eternal City down there, close enough that magic can teleport them in. And they go to shut it kind of do the director's cut of what happened in Death of the Mutants, where they shut down the resurrection machine stop the psychic war etc etc forge steals something while they're down there and we don't know what it is so which does he need to no no (laughs) uh he's written in a very weird humorous tone here he's the comic relief in this book 
which is not how he's been written except for when Warren Ellis decided to make him raving psychopath in the 2000s for whatever reason. He's like, am I having a peyote flashback, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, yeah. during the, the sort of like the next issue, Team Up Proper, Iceman basically needs to be, there's a team of game world refugees dressed up as Nova Corp people who uh-huh. uh, are like, oh, there's still a bet out for the earth, right? Yeah, we'll just make a giant solar flare to destroy earth. And Bobby fucking... Which is, which is, a, which is a Justice League uh, Iceman uh, uh, plot line. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they find out about the plot and the flare has been created and they're like, okay, we need to save the planet. And so Bobby's like, cool, I got this. <laughs> So he creates a giant freaking ice shield over yeah. over the earth where the where the flare is going to touch down, and they psychically connect everyone and like forge like okay this is how big how thick you should make it and, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth and when it hits uh, Firestar will be up <laughs> yeah and Firestar is you know melting the uh, the shards uh, so that they don't destroy the civilian population. And the resulting, uh, you know, use of moisture creates a rainbow. Yeah, a thick rainbow. Like, that is is the most bold colored rainbow I've ever seen in comics. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was, it was taking an opportunity to flex Iceman again. Yeah. Which, oh, man. So, and then this Iceman. And and so, yeah. This Iceman, I, I love. And, and yes. I thought that the Iceman that has been spoiled for me was going to show up in here, and mm. it didn't because the spoiled Iceman is the Iceman that I don't like, but it's part of his repertoire, and so it's it's a it's whatever. But okay. this Iceman flexing on a a, a giant ice shield around the planet <laughs> or part of the planet is just so wild it it makes an amount of sense <laughs> but not a lot but i'm fine i'm fine i'm here for it that was yeah. wild <laughs> so crazy. um and then as, as Iceman's walking away after saving the day reporters like hey do you have anything you want to say to the people and he's like no this is what we do uh, actually uh it's time for me to come out <laughs> and yeah. so he announces the world that he's gay Good for him. The the reporter brings the story to their editor. The editor's like, uh, let's kill the gay angle. It, it, it's it's too much. And and she's like, no, we're gonna keep that in. So yeah. yeah, Iceman comes out to the world, creates a giant rainbow. It's the first week of June. So happy Pride Month, everybody. Yeah. It, first week of June as we're recording. Once this comes out, it'll not very much not be. <laughs> yeah. And then it ends with. Cyclops's judgment. Um, yes. Where he says, You could judge me, but I don't care what you judge me for. The only yeah. person that can judge me is my wife. Thanks. Um, mm-hmm. And and for gender, it's just like, That's legit. <laughs> it's like, Okay, buddy. <laughs> right. Come on. But like, good luck. The, 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 the number of things you could say and tangent off of on the fact that Cyclops was judged worthy and Cap was not. Two different writers, but <laughs> sure. 
it is it 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 could be interesting considering that they are both representatives of two different groups. Kind of, but but I mean, except for the the you know week where Cyclops was dressed up as crap Captain Krakoa, like he's never he's never represented yeah. his people in that same kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. he's just been a leader. He hasn't been the embodiment of something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's funny because the comics have jumped down this rabbit hole a lot of like leader versus leader of Cap and Cyclops. Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, yeah. I never see that talked about outside of the pages. So here's my thing on Cyclops. He's a leader out of skill. And he's also a leader out of desperation. He's just an orphan who found a family and will do whatever it takes to keep them. And so much of his like romantic fixation over the years and like storylines about him having kids and, and like successive part, you know, romantic partners and stuff. Like this is all his attempt to recreate the family that he lost when he was a child. Yeah. Okay. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is a fundamental and, difference in origin. Yeah, not yeah. Not just not and just Cap, human versus Cap is but like yeah, yeah. Cap is not motivated by anything that small. Everything about Cap is about the bigger picture, and like yeah, Cyclops works for the bigger picture, but more on a practical level than an idealistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, his idealism is even practical. Well, fuck me. All right, there you go. <laughs> well done. <laughs> immortal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do Immortal X-Men. Here's 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 Kieran Gillen just having a great time with the X-Men and the Quiet just Council specifically. Thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Start with... We I start with a flashback. Five? Mortal yeah, five. five. Right? Yep. And um, we dive into Exodus. Yeah. And this, so this is all pre-existing backstory for Exodus that was very obscure, where he had like a, a one-shot and an actual one-shot, one issue of comics, <laughs> diving into who he was in the, tw- in the 12th century. And he was in the Crusades. He was going through the desert. And with um, Sir Barrington, who or Garrington, who was the Black Knight at the time, weirdly also Garrington, like Dane Whitman, was kind of riding shotgun in Garrington's body psychically Mm. during that time. And Cersei was also there, so they're Mm -hmm. all like knew each other, and that's why we when they say like when when Exodus says I have uh, experience with. Eternals. I've fought one psychically before. That's what he's talking about. That's, he's talking about yeah. Cersei in that particular time. Which props kind for of... remembering. <laughs> props for remembering, like from okay. a writer's perspective. So, from a writer's perspective. Well, here's the thing. I feel like there are two kinds of deep cuts. There's a deep cut <laughs> of a character who has a rich history and you're pulling something obscure out of it. And then there's a deep cut of a character with almost no history and you're pulling the only (laughs) thing out of it. And that's, we're getting the latter here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and we like, 
especially in a situation with Exodus where he's a member of the Quack. Like he's a big yeah. deal now. He's a so, big deal like, politically. You're, you're gonna have to remember yeah. all issue of his <laughs> of his history. So like <laughs> props for just props for just acknowledging it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he stumbled across like a tomb or a machine or some manifestation of apocalypse while they were in the desert. And and it seems like the obvious thing, like he should be, he's this, you know, religiously motivated mutant apocalypse is the obvious like savior figure. Why didn't he worship apocalypse? Why did he defy apocalypse? And you kind of get the backstory. Well, apocalypse wanted him to kill Garrington, who was his buddy, blah, 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 blah. But he still respects him enough to make him vital to the religion as <laughs> the devil. And he says, well, that's important too. Like you need that. There's also a great line in here. An X is a rotated cross and all mutants carry the cross in oh. their genes. Yeah, man. Like that was such a blend of like, damn, really? But then I was like, oh, but don't, don't, don't cross wash every single mutant. <laughs> I mean, this is just this is just the world through Exodus's eyes, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and yeah. that fits into his like and how he entire can become, character. <laughs> yeah. How he how he can very seamlessly go from a Christian crusader to a mutant religion zealot. So it, he take after during the um, the decimation when there's only the 198 mutants the 198. left. Yeah, he takes a pilgrimage to the sun. Yeah. And we kind of get like a little bit of that. I kind of expected him to go there to try and pull out Phoenix Jean's body. <laughs> yeah. Because because when the Phoenix Force took over Jean and made basically a copy of Jean's body and ran around being her, including killing a planet, she was tried and then she flew into the sun mm. to to die. That would have been real interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Mm. Uh, but not so. <laughs> yeah. And he he says, yeah, I am the Pope of a new church like Peter was to the Nazarene mutant. Of course, the Nazarene mutant is Jesus. So <laughs> I, yeah, fucking they, they flex. that so many times. I fucking love it. And, and it's always great. When they're like, <laughs> they're like, we have to rebuild the tables called the mutant carpenter. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, they can resurrect mutants from anywhere in the in the timeline now, right? Like, like there's no way that they would, but oh my goodness, can you just hatched Jesus from an egg? If there, if he's just sitting there in the waiting room of just like, hey, is my is my number up? Or you good? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my good lord. They oh, accidentally hatch, and they accidentally hatch Adam Warlock instead. They're like, "Fuck this guy!" The freaking <laughs> the existential crisis that Exodus would go through <laughs> if they brought back <laughs> the the unnamed Nazarene mutant <laughs> who was a carpenter. It's just it's just Adam Warlock. It's oh just Space gosh. Jesus. There's one other thing in this issue that I liked, and yeah, we've spent a lot please. of time on this issue, so we should move forward, yeah. but. When we go into like his mental image of his battle with the Eternals and stuff, uh, yeah, he he team he has this little psychic team up with Emma mm-hmm. and Hope, 
And so he sees himself as this as a knight in his his original crusader garb. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, in my left hand, a diamond shield. And it's like for all her barbs, Emma's for protective. Emma, yeah. She would yeah. not wish the children hurt. And it's just a consistent understanding of Emma's character. <laughs> but then but then he so he has this like di- he has an actual diamond shield. And then he's like in yeah. on my right side, uh hope the Messiah, and he has this fe- flaming phoenix sword. And just yeah. it just looks that so is cool. <laughs> yeah. I love Absolutely. it. Yeah, I love it so much. It's I'll show for the people who are watching, but like just it's it's it's, it's this like. When you have this like conceptual imagery of how people see themselves and you never get to see that until it's thrown into, into the comic and and, so much fun. Yeah. And, and, and psychic powers let you do shit like that. So seamlessly. Yeah. And so he gets ready to go and fight the psychic Zerus, the dragon. Mm -hmm. Next issue. Number six, this, this issue, the, at least the first half of it, is going inside we get the director's cut version of the scene where sinister and destiny conspire to sway the quiet council vote to vote for destroying the progenitor through the self-destruct plan and we have some interesting notes here basically sinister tells destiny about this information and then she uses it as she sees fit to manipulate the vote by introducing it at the right time and including or excluding certain pertinent information So they do it while Xavier is dead, just like the minute he dies. Yeah. Um, And they kind of like minimize the odds of an explosion causing such havoc. Again, destroying most more northern cities, including like all of Iceland. We get a note that Mystique is by a couple percentage points more likely to vote for a plan that kills humans when she knows (laughs) the full truth of it. Yeah, that, which is concerning. <laughs> yeah, and which even concerns destinations. Like I love her right. a lot. Ooh. However, um, <laughs> yeah, she she also can't predict her own actions with a hundred percent certainty. Best she can get is yeah. like eighty five percent. Yeah, and she's like, this never fails to to mystify me that I don't even know what I'm doing. And then, so yeah, vote goes through. Everybody else kind of votes how you'd expect. Destiny judged by Mystique. Uh, oh, yeah. So some judgments. Destiny is judged by Mystique. She fails because her actions don't support her words of there being no destiny and the fact that she always lives in fear of the future, fear of losing Raven, etc. Emma is judged and failed by all her dead students. Just brutal. Thank you, Kieran Gillen. <laughs> yeah, I know. God. Thank you for not forgetting about Genosha. You make me so happy. <laughs> Kate Pride passes with no pageantry whatsoever. It just happens. Another piece of deep cut lore that fits extremely well. Shaw is judged by his father. And we, we've kind of gotten previous glimpses of Shaw's father and their relationship from the X-Men colon Hellfire Club limited series that I read for the pod a couple months ago. But Shaw basically uses this opportunity to make a power play and start being a player on the council once again, instead of just being Emma's sort of like lapdog. And he wants to cut a good deal with the Eros faction of Eternals on the grand bargaining table. And it ends up working and he gets a bunch of like kudos from the entire mutant community. But he's also putting himself in a position to profit personally and make a bunch of money. Uh Exodus passes judgment. 
Shaw failed uh, is failed, but he fails not from his father, but from Emma. Yeah. And he is disgusted by this. Like, <laughs> cannot believe that they think that he would respect Emma, which is such a cool touch. <laughs> because yeah. clearly he does. He can't run away from that truth now. Right. Yeah. From a relatively neutral third party. <laughs> yeah. It ends with him. Well, he he has this, you know, like he's cutting deals that he can live today, profit tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. And then he takes Celine's heart and uses it to summon Mother Righteous <laughs> as Celine had before him. So Celine cut the deal for the power to turn the the gate into that giant kaiju. And that this is all some bullshit from Mother Righteous. You know Shaw will take any deal that profits him. And Mother Righteous is all about cutting deals. So this uh hmm, this is concerning. The more the more we talk about deals, the the and the fact that Mother Righteous has red skin, I'm gonna be real pissed if they make Mother Righteous some some form or version of Mephisto. That would be annoying. Yeah. I need I need Mother Righteous to be her own character. <laughs> I was trying to think about who would be satisfied if Mother Righteous weren't their her own character, who would it be satisfying to be? Maybe a, a rogue legion personality? Oh, that would be interesting. Wow, yeah, that would be real interesting. Huh. You want to hmm. move on to the next issue of uh Immortal X-Men number seven? God. Yeah, we got yeah, let's keep going. Sinister this is after Magneto's death, pour one out, and the war is ongoing, and Sinister, who never met a problem he didn't think he could solve by clones, says, well, why don't we just throw a couple American football teams worth of Magnetos at it? <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Imagine, oh lord, a couple football teams worth. Come on, man. Nightcrawler gets sick of Destiny's bullshit and basically teleports her up into the air and makes her fall and shakes her up enough to be like, Hey, you know something. Like, I know you don't want to spit it out, but fucking spit it out. Evil stepmother. Come on, let's go. And <laughs> uh and that's kind of where the cap plan comes from, right? Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. this is so he teleports cap to the north pole takes a blood sample uh gets the backup going has him has him deliver the speech and has it psychically broadcast the world and then brings him back so this was a curt plan through and through but it was fa- and, and that's why like it doesn't really from I, I listed kurt in the last pod as one of the main characters of the whole crossover mm-hmm. and you might not get that impression so much from the from just the uh the main story but in the side stories you're like oh fuck he was he a was real major player in this <laughs> he did a lot mm-hmm. he, like m- maybe the most impactful mutant aside from perhaps gene gray yeah and then he moves to uh, the next stage of the plan which is so he's getting live backups from xavier so his his yeah, deaths are remembered in the like, hey, moment. Keep an eye yeah. on. <laughs> and he's and this is in the eternal treatment. 
Yeah. And he's like, this is the lie of Krakoa. We don't take you, we don't bring you back from death. We bring you back from before death and you don't remember. Now I have to remember being vaporized Adam from Adam by Nimrod over and over again. Exodus looks at him and is like, one would, one death would make you a martyr to this. Or, or <laughs> one would make you a martyr. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> but he does all this to parley with Moira. And this is what puts the Orcus plan into place. Yeah. So that's Ugh. how the machine got AI back up. And that's how Orcus ended up holding the line. Yes. Very, very interesting. He's just like, yeah. And she's like, Orcus and the X-Men. This will never last. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. We've only got a few hours yeah. to live. Give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> so the spark is paying dividends. It is really like pushing itself out into major ramifications for Marvel writ large. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue great. eight is going to be very interesting. I only saw only because I just kept turning because I didn't know if it was the end of the issue or not. And so I got the yeah. title of the issue. It's, oh, what's uh, the title? The, the Curious Case of Dr. Essex and Mr. Sinister. Oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, shit. All right. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> oh, hmm. yep. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> All right. Shall we spend okay. an hour and a half on X Men Red? Yeah, we we kind of <laughs> it's kind of unavoidable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So X five. It we we go from X Men Red five to X Men Red seven. No, six is in there. Right, but like oh 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 <laughs> duh yeah it, five six seven. I'm an idiot. Yeah, five six seven. We're not skipping it. <laughs> three issues. Issues of X Men. Issue five starts with. Brand show, brand and cable showing up to the great ring of Morocco, just being like, Hey, uh, what's her face? Uh, Destiny, Destiny has determined that the Eternals are going to attack. We have reason to believe that if they attack uh, the Kirkoans, they're probably going to attack the Iraqi. So, heads up. And, yeah. Um, uh, and hey, you've got your own precog here, Zila. What's coming? And she makes the prediction, or they read because Zila can't talk. Uh, or, no, is it? I forget. A deal. A deal. And an empty heart beats hardest. An empty hand uh, deals the impossible blow. Stalemate ends with victories lost. So, uh, yeah, idle or ideal or whatever. That's who it is. And then the war comes and ideal dies immediately head cut off by Iska, who switches sides because this is an unwinnable conflict. Right. Which is always a bad sign. Yeah, Iska can't lose, and and yeah. Kurt is like Kurt's there, and Kurt's is like got it, and teleports her away because they're gonna get wrecked. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we we get a little bit more into that in uh, Legion of X, uh, like how yes, that goes do. down in Legion of X. Yeah, and you have so this entire issue, you have the countdown of uh, because Ernos gets unleashed oh on God. Araco for exactly oh six minutes. And so you have it starts with T minus one minute, and then you yeah. go through and they're not even T done minus, with their briefing before he gets there. Yeah, T minus zero is when Iska uh, uh suddenly flips sides and does the yep. kill, and then Uranos shows up at team T plus 29 seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. and Uranos just unleashes and and it really kind of and we talked about this a little bit last last episode, but just like the power level of Eternals and then specifically Uranos. And then also 
we're going to spend X-Men Red seeing the power of Uranus. But then on top yes. of that, remember that Uranus lost. <laughs> right. right. Uranus lost and his lost. uprising attempt yeah. 400,000 yeah. years ago. Oh, um, right. Yes, that. Or however many years ago. He's been in prison because he fought Kronos to lead the, the, the Eternals and Uranus lost. <laughs> Of, of the Eternals. That's fucking oh ridiculous. <sighs> anyway, yeah, so, he, so you know, different villages and uh, named places that we've seen on Iraq. Including the, the art colony. Yeah, which uh, being attacked by what they call it biometallic slime looks yeah. exactly like Cable's replacement arm that he used. Oh. When he had the te- techno-organic virus before he died and got his old arm replaced. It's that same black with the light yeah. blue lines. Mm. Um, which was mm-hmm. odd. And I don't know if that's just a random happenstance or like mm. what. But they never specifically call it a techno-organic, you know, right. being fluid thing. It's just this biometallic um, interesting substance that is a weapon of Uranus. We get the abridged version of Uranus versus Legion. It lasts oh, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I was like, how, 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 how did, how? So, so how Legion just did... shows up and Legion shows up and Uranus is like, oh, yeah. A worthy opponent. <laughs> yeah. And, and a worthy, op- yeah. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Legion's like, let's take this, you know, upstairs, let's fly away. And he says, hmm, wouldn't want to wreck the furniture. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And then and so we don't see the fight. And 30 seconds later, Uranus is back. Returns. Legion is not. Yeah. Excuse me? Dude, yeah. I have such a like fanboy hard on for the power of Legion and he just gets deleted in 30 seconds. Excuse me? Right. Anyway, we see that we see how well, that fight goes down. In we see the director's 26. cut of this director's oh cut. God, yeah. Dude. And, and then, Magneto. then Magneto. It's Magneto's turn. Yeah. 13 minutes and 23 seconds. Oh my gosh. And then, yeah, 13 minutes, 23 seconds in, Uranos just punches a hole into Magneto's chest, pulls out his heart. Yeah, actually grips his heart and pulls it out. Cool. Ass. Dick. Fucker. Like um, all of these all so and remember, you can't be on the great ring of Araco without being an omega level mutant. So there are nine omega level, well, eight because Storm isn't there to start because she's splitting time with uh Krakoa. So he just and, and then Iska switches sides. So really seven. Just levels them all. Like Aura Serata damages the eye, but not the baby body. So not the body. Lives, well, yeah, and so but, and that was one of those things where it's like yeah. you have a reality warper in Aura Serata yeah. of just like her gaze can negate yeah. from reality, and it's and Aura is just like I I can't be my reality isn't dictated by you. I am and above law. Her. It's like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> like yeah. it's a stretch. <laughs> sure. Um, but it is, it's one of those things that you can do when you do not define somebody's power set. <laughs> yeah, right. When you have when you have the Urano Superman, like you just right. let him totally. do whatever you need the antagonist to do. <laughs> yeah. Zelo, who is like oh, a, a swarm of insects and is the swarm living of embodiment of all Iraqi history. 
Yeah, like he's basically the supreme intelligence that of the Kree, but for Arako. And as the body, as Uranus keeps destroying its body, it's losing more and more history of Arako. And that is just conceptually so heartbreaking. (laughs) I know, right? It's Uh, tragic. And so Zeal gets reduced to 13%. Brand is shot and killed. That becomes relevant later. But uh, Lotus Logos, Zelo, Aura, and Magneto all survive, but greatly. How does Magneto survive? Greatly wounded and what a great yeah, last, uh, incapacitated. last frame and, of issue five, though. Yeah, Magneto explain it for the like, people who are listening. Let's keep going. So, yeah. Magneto, with his fine control over magnetism, keeps the controls the iron in his blood to keep blood pumping through his body. Yeah, he is able um, to continue oxygenating yeah. and pumping his blood without a heart. I have <laughs> using his powers. I have mild concerns about the ability about like well, clearly a, it's not a, lasting very long. No, he, he, he makes buys him another like yeah. it buys him like 30, 40 minutes of life. But like yeah. just like conceptually, I there's a part of me that gets worried that by magnetizing or using the magnetic field of the iron in the blood makes it so it can't do the whole like grabbing oxygen hemoglobin mm. thing that it's supposed yeah. to. Yeah, but yeah. like it was one of those things what? that was just a passing thought while I was taking the shower today. I was like, can he <laughs> <Yeah>. really do that? Because <laughs> like it's one thing to use his man- magnetic powers to stop somebody's blood flow so they pass out. Right. I think it's right. a whole other thing to to replace the circulatory system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> with his magnetism, but it's not. <laughs> it's it's so nitpicky. It's unnecessary. Um, it's just cool. I'm rule of cool it, yeah, means <laughs> that this is. Fucking make it it's happen. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Issue six. Issue um, six. We open with a, an astronaut from NASA who has been accepted by Araco and stands with them and helps a bunch of little kids escape. And they're like, uh-huh. We see you. You're part of this broken land. That's dope. Um, yeah. We um, learned that the Fisher King's name has been psychically amputated from him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a loss. What in what? Oh uh, man, I <laughs> ridiculous. I, want, <laughs> I was honestly, I was hoping to get the revelation of his mutant power as something just absolutely insane and like tide turning. Yeah. And right. this, it's not what we, we get. Something <laughs> even better. <laughs> something so cool though. And uh, then, be, be, okay. the last thing before you flip your fucking shit is that Wizkid and Cable are like, yeah, it's time to talk about Brand. Oh yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. One. 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 Okay. Before the drop, it's funny because you even said this before I read this, but like before yeah. the revelation drop, I I tried is... to say it to you in a way where you wouldn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, and it still it still got me. I was I was dropping a I was in the bathroom when I when I read this issue, and I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Point is, um, the face that Roberto makes when revealing the night seat to Magneto is so different. Like, like Roberto mm. is an, an arrogant bastard. He's yeah. very, very intelligent and he is yeah. awesome. He's never the one in the wrong and he's never, he never <laughs> um, deflects to the leadership in front of him. 
except mm. for Magneto. Except for Magneto, and yeah. They show it on his face here. Like he whenever yeah. you do it, get a close-up of Roberto's face, it's never uh, like tilted down looking up from a like oh you're right a, a, yeah. a position of subservience. It's a always a yeah. confident, uh, uh yeah. a confident chin up, borderline looking down point. his nose at characters. Yes. And then yeah. here at the end, you have a dying. It helps because he's short too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and here you have a dying Magneto, just like th- they show up, and Magneto's just like, answer the question, why are you here? And and Roberto is just like, well, when Dawn, Dusk, and Day are split asunder, who's left headmaster? The night seats. And he has this just like, just like, well, I'm here to like try to do right by you, sir. And it's yeah. just like, oh, so, Roberto. Explain. So the night seats. So the Great Ring has nine seats traditionally and this is stuff that has we've gone over in uh x-men red before but you go over it again here because it is uh newly relevant has nine seats and and they're split up between um dawn day and dusk and there were rumors of the night seats but they have been lost to history etc etc and then in this time of crisis the knights show uh, the night seats show up and roberto fucking da costa sunspot is just one of them. He's just he, like, oh yeah, I'm part of, of this. Se- he, yeah, I'm part of this secret society ruling part of uh, Morocco during times of of distress and crisis. Also on the night seat uh, on the the night seats is the Fisher King. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> Roberto has the seat of nobody. nobody. The Fisher King has the seat of nothing. And then a new character, Caesar the Smoke, has the seat of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And there's a big emphasis in the rest of the series, uh, this issue, about like let the old ways of Araco change. You know, like we have been, we have suffered all this stuff. We are being destroyed. Like we have, we've seen a new way from Krakoa. Let's and Lotus Logos is is kind of the main character in his like artistic poet self of, of kind of leading the change to a new Araco. And that's going to be a very, this, this series, like we've been introduced to like such new concepts in Araco and -hmm. like a bunch of new characters, the great ring, like Iraqi society, all of this stuff. And it like barely has time to room time to like breathe before they just upend the whole thing. And they're like, no, this is actually a story about this society changing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. And so the next, I mean, the what keeps the plot going is the revelation that the machine, the weapons of Runo's heal. And so the fight is renewed, yada, yada. Yeah. You get, I, I'm trying to like jump to issue seven because there's some yeah. stuff I want to talk yeah. about in there. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The other amazing well, thing in this yeah. issue is Storm and Magneto yes. make this insane mutant circuit <laughs> where the 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 relationship between electricity and magnetism is no right. secret to anybody. Yeah. And so it's just charged um, particles. <laughs> yeah. And in the past, Storm has tried mm-hmm. using her lightning on Magneto and it just worked against them and uh, you yep. got a huge power boost. So she's like, oh, yep. yeah, let's do that again. <laughs> yeah. And so she just charges them way too much. <laughs> and Magneto just gets this insane power boost and is able to just 
melt the weapon that was sent against them down to its plasticky bits <laughs> and just storm and magneto who are two of the Storm. most powerful mutants and some of the most yeah. staunch and 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 headstrong characters yes. forming a circuit and also nigh and no nonsense do what needs to be done like yeah they fucking oh. get it and they live by a code of ethics and all this stuff yeah so cool. Great additions for Arako. Like, they were great choices for Arako. Regardless of yeah. what the original plot and desire was of having them go there. Like, of the characters... of uh, I could also see Cyclops from a perspective. Yeah. Of the characters to be chosen to move from Krakoa to Arako, those are two of the best choices you could have had. I think Storm is even more about it than Cyclops is, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so the, the climactic battle between Storm and Magneto and Uranos happens between issues here, right? Yeah, it happens, happens in, in Axie. In, in the main storyline. Yeah. So we won't belabor the point, but it is fucking tight. It is so cool. Yes. And this gives yes. us the, the context of why Storm was necessary for the power boost, essentially, and why Magneto's chest was glowing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because none of that is explained. And then when he falls over at the end, we're like, oh, is he is he dead? No. Oh yeah, he's he 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 real dead. He, he doesn't have a heart. Yeah, he has no heart. Like physically has no heart. Right. Yeah. And so he you know, he's given himself enough time to have a full conversation with Storm as he's dying. Yes. Um yes. So that's where which... X-Men Red Seven picks up. So let's yeah. Yeah. Most of that conversation is about keeping an eye on Charles. Uh, yes, because he's he has his concerns. <laughs> because because uh, he and Moira and Charles were the three founders. They kept each other in check, and even you know Apocalypse to a certain extent, they kept each other all in of check. Them are gone. All of them are gone, and it's just Charles left. And he says, that, like, <laughs> yeah, promise me you'll watch Charles. He'll martyr us all. You know, the the lengths that good he's a good man, but the lengths that good men will go to 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 prove to the world that they're good are dangerous. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like just that entire conversation. Our enemies will strike and Charles will feel forced, uh forced by events to act, to do something because something must be done, however terrible. And because in the no place of his heart, he cannot see a choice. And on that day, he will martyr us all. <laughs> Shit. Terrifying. And so he's like, he is a good man, Aurora. He must, we must be wary of good men for what they will not do to show that they are good, how good they are. And you're just like, oh God. Oh God. And then he's judged by his his uh dead daughter, Anya, and passes, and then he passes away. And Storm is just, what a brutal scene. Just like, you know, so few words. Storm is just, mm -hmm. there. everybody's crying. The You've got like Twilight, you know, and, and wide camera angles and stuff as it zooms out. Yeah. Gut punch. Mm -hmm. That's Magneto. He doesn't have backups anymore. They can't, he, they won't bring him back. Well, I mean, we'll see. He's not dead forever. It's Magneto. Like. It's Mag yeah, he'll but, he'll come back, but how and will he remember his how condition? how in what state, what mm -hmm. decade of Magneto will be returned? <laughs> what uh what how long will he be gone? Will it be 
will we go another 10 years without any Magneto in comics? No, man. Could be. Krakoa Magneto has been such a fun Magneto. Incredible. Ugh, damn it. This is this was uh, huge. This was such a big and 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 then we have a we have a quote here on the next page for Magneto, which summarizes so much about X-Men so well. Mm-hmm. I, I want to read it because I, I remember like Matthew from Superhero Ethics, you know, asked the question. I've heard it several times all over the place. Like, how why do we just accept that mutants are different? Like the public accepts superheroes. Except the Avengers, they love the Avengers. You know, Fantastic Four, all these, all these people with superpowers are not scary, and people generally accept them. You know, with some hesitation and blah 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 blah. You got your Civil Wars, you got your whatever, but generally. So why are mutants particularly hated and feared? And I think this quote gets at the heart of it. The quote is, "You cannot wish us away. You cannot ignore us. We are your children." And it's specifically because mutants are the children of humans that they are hated and feared. And that seems paradoxical. Like we're related, you know, why would you, but it, it's, it's the same reason why, why a family will disown their queer children. Right. Uh, Or anything like this. It's the, the idea that your own, family your own children this this sort of like social reproduction these people who you want to be like you who you want to embody the 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 continuation of yourself in some way who you see as the continuation of yourself aren't that they're different they're they're different and unknowable in this way that you cannot prepare prepare for and cannot accept that's that's what makes mutants different yeah I mean, there's nothing I can add to that. But I think that's worth that's worth uh, we should reference that. Yeah, when, uh, when we bring them on. Sure, sounds um, good. And the fact that Magneto, just, ah, man, rip Magneto, rip Magneto, and then we have a full page that just says Magneto was right. Another one for the list. <laughs> <laughs> but that was in uh, Legion of X. Oh, it was in Legion. God damn it! <laughs> Still, which. Yeah, we don't even have to. Okay, okay. Three okay. things. Three things happen for the rest of this issue. Yeah. Three three story plots. Yes. There's addressing what to do with Araka going forward, as far as the Great Ring, because there's like yeah nobody left, and the Knight seats show up, and basically there's this conversation between the uh, there's a disagreement between Iska and the rest of the of the ring. And Iska's like, please, you guys, you guys know you would not win if we fought to the yeah. death. That none of you would fight me. And we've even practiced on some of you, and <laughs> none of you have won. Yeah. Why would you why why who dare would fight me? And <laughs> and Storm stops her <laughs> with a giant lightning bolt. Yeah. It's like knowing we would lose, we'd fight you anyway. Anyway, and she's yeah. like, wait, to the death? And and all of them are just like, yeah, absolutely. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. And then it gets solved by Fisher King. Oh, and Fisher so King cool. is <laughs> Fisher King just says, Okay, listen, i I challenge you to a contest of understanding, Iska. And the winner is the one who most truly understands the meaning of loss. And then it dives into uh, Fisherman's, Fisher, f- the Fisherman King's uh, history and how he lost his name. And then uh, and his family Iska, and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then Iska's upbringing and how how she never lost, but she but from another perspective, she's lost so much. Yeah, but she never sees it as that because she cannot lose, and because of that challenge, she now understands the meaning of loss, and she falls to her knees, and she finally gets it, and she personally and she resigns from the Great Ring. Yeah, and she resigns because she cannot be of Arako because she can't lose. Now that she understands loss and what loss is, and Arako is a place with such a deep and painful and intricate and irreconcilable history of loss, uh, shapes what it is. She can't, she she is not in any meaningful way of Arako. Like, and, mm-hmm. and, and so she, um, this could so easily be like a trite riddle. Like in a lesser mm-hmm. book, you're like, how do you beat the unbeatable person? Well, you say, I challenge you to understand loss, but right. And, and that could be like, yeah. <laughs> like a, like a, like a dumb riddle, but yeah, in, in this book it is actually really, really cool. And she gets judged by the progenitor who takes the form of Tarn and she passes. She says, everybody don't follow me. <laughs> so she might, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yep. She might show up later and she's like, mm-hmm. I could, I'll kill you. I, I may kill you all yet. So we we may not yeah. have seen the last of Iska. The other the other thing that comes from this is what is the name? Lotus Logos says that we need to we need to this is our chance to bring about a new Arako, one that dreams, one that can like like fantasizes about the future, yeah. one that's that's governed by art and and possibility and not and he, just war. And he is the um, artist and poet of the council, and Aurora yields her seat without challenge mm-hmm. to him. Uh, so he gets the tie-breaking, the double vote on the council. Gets, and, yeah, the seat of all around us. Yeah, And, and then she takes uh, Magneto's vacant seat, the seat of loss. The seat of loss. And there's just a beautiful art. Like, I almost want this art piece of her sitting at, at, this, uh, at the table with the clouds forming Magneto's helmet in mm-hmm. the background. Yeah, so cool. And then, and then the, the final, last. final piece yes. is, is uh, what's his name? Uh, Cable and uh, WizKid being like, yeah. okay, so we know they're going to, they're going to re- resurrect Brand. Yeah. She's going to have a time miss. She's, there's no way that she didn't track uh, her movements in the time uh, between yeah. when she was backed up. Also, the peak above Arako is a quantum copy of blah 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 we can access what she's seeing when she (laughs) we we can access what she's doing without actually hacking so there's no way to trace it back so they pull up and there's like hey i just the question they want to answer is did she kill gyric that's the big question and so they check as she's checking and updating herself they watch and sees oh crap she did call she did kill Gareth, but then they said, and then it says, holy crap, holy crap. Are you, are you seeing this? What she's been doing? Cable, are you? And he looks back and Cable's pissed. And he's, and he's just, so pissed. he's chick-chacking his gun. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I guess you did. And then we move on. Yep. And, 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 and by move on, I mean, that's the end of the issue. Yep. Uh, also, WizKid was passed by the progenitor who took the form of his mom. And he was passed for looking for the truth, even when he doesn't want to know it, yep. which is very fitting because that's exactly what happened. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, Legion of X and finish it off. Legion of X real quick. Number seven, There's a lot of fun stuff in it. And the, it basically gives further detail into Legion versus 
Uranos. Uh, Legion is visited by the progenitor to be judged. And Legion's just like, hey, could you help me with this? Like, was I right? And yeah. so they go into the fight and thank the gods. It ended up that they ended with a with with sort of a draw. Yes. And then because of Legion's Legion's spread consciousness, he got distracted and Uranos was about to kill him. And then freaking banshee uh with his ghost rider head yeah uh, so they size they him. size each other up for a second and uranos is like huh we're evenly matched <laughs> yeah like, for for <laughs> 10 seconds for 10 seconds they have millennia's worth of of conceptual battles yeah from art to puns to actual like <laughs> to <warfare> dancing to, <laughs> to playing music um, to actual punching and shooting yeah. laser blasts at each other. and they yeah. both agree they're like well we're evenly matched and then like so yeah if we unleashed ourselves and actually fought we would both cease to exist yeah and they're both Maybe like well we we've done do that. this well we've done that before <laughs> Except, yeah, you know, he's just like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, but and and Ernos is like, well, now you have something to lose, and like, not just your girlfriend, but the esteem of your people. And he's at Ugh. this moment being used as a psychic life raft by Kurt to save Iraqi people inside mm-hmm. the altar. And so Ernos gets his goat, and Legion loses his temper and nearly gets killed. And like you said, he's saved by Banshee slash the spirit of variance. But, and this is at mother righteous's call. So uh, says, mm-hmm. you know, you're still uh, got the call that you're still needed to lead. And so mm-hmm. mother righteous is still pulling strings here. Yeah. Your people need you because Ernos has a conceptual weapon in the astral plane yeah. going towards the altar. And so uh, Ruth yep. is trying to save everyone, but she needs help. And so yep. Legion shows up and go, goes and does that thing. And then, so there's also, we see we see the f- a further fight between Iska and Nightcrawler. It's inconsequential. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there's the scene when, between Magneto and Legion. Yeah. Where, and so when they're preparing to go and deal with the climax of, of AXE, Legion shows up and he's just like, hey, wait, like I want to help. And and the and he has this really awesome conversation yeah. with Magneto because they both have so much history. Yeah. <laughs> just at different with different perspectives on Charles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so and so uh Magneto is like, no, you can't come for this fight. And he's like, because I'd screw it up, right? And he said, no, because you're needed here. And he says the maybe the most important words that anyone could say to Legion, which is, I trust you. Yeah. And just, just Magneto being such a cool fucking teacher, adult, father right? figure. Right. <laughs> and, oh, man, we've, we've spent so many different scenes in Legion of X and X-Men Red of specifically Legion of X of just like how Charles interacts with Legion and how little he acknowledges his existence. Yes. Um, And then you have, you have Magneto. He's just like, listen, trust is seated in example and watered by time. We have the luxury of neither. I need someone who can hold off those machines, David, all of them all at once across the entire planet. I need someone who can do that and survive. You understand? There must be those who fight and live or why fight at all. And so I trust you. Puts his hand on his shoulder and pieces out. And just with that, just with the I trust you, Legion is is given all of the all of the motivation he needs to literally go and defend the entire planet against all of Uranus's machines. So cool. 
And that's <sighs> when we get the full the full page spread that just says Magneto was right. Yeah, and it's just one of the and 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 Legion. He he's like as he's doing, he's like finally, finally, I didn't fuck up. Finally, yeah. I made someone proud. I bought them the time to beat the Eternal Machinist. They did it. He did it, and then he was dead. And like he 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 was able to make this father figure proud, but then his father figure died. It's <laughs> yeah, fuck. And it ends with progenitor being like, "No, you you pass judgment. You're a yeah. good man." Yeah, and he's like, "And thanks, but I don't really care." <laughs> yeah, you know who you know who did get it. You know who did does you know have the right to say things like this is Magneto. He understood. I rule me. Yeah, he knew. Yeah. And just the way he said, the way it's framed, the way he like says that, just like in the smaller text to himself. I'm just like he knew, and like this is yeah, like this is this is Legion's like not a tone like like ode to this person that he looked up to, yes, and that and that believed in him because nobody does. Ugh. So good, so damn good. <sighs> okay, what a pod! What a pod! It's a hell of a long pod. So welcome to the world of crossover events, right? Or welcome back, I should say. Because yeah, I know been you've a read some crossovers in, in a lot the past. of them. So next week, I think we're just gonna have just we're gonna try to have a crossover debrief and bring yeah. in some some ethical perspectives on this entire existence that is judgment day. Heck yeah. I'm stoked. Um, and we'll have uh, some new friends on the on the pod. It's not new friends, but uh, some friends on the pod and new to Twitch. <laughs> new to us streaming on Twitch. Friends. There we go. Doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, with that, let's just, let's, just put, let's put the outro music here. And I can't wait to read some Rainbow Six Yeah. Six. But man, this is only two. Only two books have come out. Oh, okay.